Are you I, out of your mind? Here's the debate. You're upset. They're saying we believe you. This is it? I thought, uh... Go on. That's stuff we have to talk about as well. Episode 168 today, folks, with... Adam Sosnick, uh, did you see what I just did? Did you planned. see that? that no, I, but my plan was to have it stand up. That's oh, my standard. But I, it dropped. I saw it flip. I go, so it's your version of the uh, water bottle flip, right? <laughs> no, it didn't work out. Okay, Vinny O'Shaughnessy, Tom Ellsworth, 168. A lot to cover with you. Hope you had a good fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know yesterday, shout out to Mario. Mario brought, I don't even know where he got this from. You know, Because you know in the community when an Iranian moves in, <laughs> And 4th of July shows up, neighbors worry a little bit <laughs> because they don't know what kind of uh, fireworks you're going to do. Oh, so when an Iranian comes up and says, I got some fireworks I'm going to do this weekend, mm. everybody leaves the community. <laughs> That's right. They just say, this is probably not a good idea. But last night, what Mario did was, was did you see that stuff? I don't know I if you saw it. Yes, Insane. <laughs> Including the one where the box fell over and it blew and it almost hit Mario. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, so so Tikram did one of them. It just blew up. Right there? Bam! Oh, Everybody. No. But anyways, hope you guys had a good 4th of July. No uh, Jason Pierre-Paul incidents over no, there losing God. fingers? No, 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 no Jason like Pierre-Paul. Yeah. Close, though, but no Jason Pierre-Pauls. No, no mm. flying thumbs. Yeah, no Jason Pierre-Paul. How was New York? You were in New York. I freaking love New York. Yeah. Tell us about it. Tell us about it. I mean, I was just there for three days yeah. filming a bunch of content. Um how expensive is it to live in New York? Are you considering leaving New York? Uh, $21 billion worth of wealth has left New York. Yeah. Explain why you think that is. Got all sorts of different answers. Along with the taxes. That's true. And um, How was the food? Then, was the, food? Uh, the food was great. Little Italy, uh, you know, Chinatown, Katz's uh, Deli. You got to go check out Katz's Deli, get a pastrami Reuben sandwich. Just, I, get, I, I used to go to New York every summer. Every summer for the last decade. And I haven't been since the lovely... Uh, uh, trip to Addison in Dallas, and I haven't been back Can't to, compare to New York. Yeah, to Addison. exactly. They don't. It's not. So it was York. good to be back. Was you know, I, I've asked a million people. Seen this? You've seen this? I said before the pandemic, if New York was a ten, right, vibrant, hustling, bustling, everything going on, and then during the pandemic, everything shut down and went to a zero. Where is it now? And I've gotten all sorts of answers: six, seven, four, three, two, eight. You know. I would say it's it's a solid eight right now from the weekend. Like really? it was good. Things are happening. Things are going on. Obviously during the summer, a lot of people go to the Hamptons, especially on the weekend. But I, I got a lot of good answers about from New Yorkers. Like uh, anything that stood out. Give us anything that stood out. Um, what stood out? I mean, normalcy. I think that's that's like all right. New York's back to normal again. There's there's still people running around with masks on outdoors. Oh yeah, um, the responsible people. The very you know outdoors. That's kind of I get it. Inside you don't want to you know whatever. Uh, one bar I've been went to a bunch of bars, bunch of restaurants. One bar at one bar asked for a vaccine card before I walked. Really? In. Yeah. And I gave him like my Target card. I was like, yeah. he's like, <laughs> I don't think they even looked. <laughs> they're not, I think they're just looking for anything. Um, so you had a good time. I had a great okay, time good. in New York. Well, sounds good. Let's talk about the I will stories say we that got there's here. A, there's a ton. Like I'm, I'm waiting and, for like some kind no, of. No, there's a, a no. there's a very overt out there, like pride situation going on. Cool. I'm all for gay pride. Great, yeah. you know. But like very overt. Very overt. Were they convincing the when they spoke to you? Or <laughs> no, I, I was focusing on the ladies. Um, I was like, I, I kissed two guys. Whatever. You had to get in the club in. somehow. <laughs> but it, it was it was you know. 
very overt. Gotcha. So, well, I feel like that, that pride story, there's a story there. Maybe you don't want to we'll see talk camera. About we'll it talk about it afterwards. Yeah. No, yeah. there's nothing going on behind it's, the scenes. I swear, I swear. So, okay. All right. So aside <laughs> from that story that we have here, folks, a couple things that's going on that I want to talk about. One, uh, you always know when the market correction is coming, when first luxuries start taking a hit exotic cars watches rolex restaurants like exotic exotic like expensive places there's an article we'll cover with that uh, uh tyler you may want to look that up the other one is companies are actually starting to rescind offers like hey here's a job offer 120 a year with a twenty thousand dollar bonus with benefits and all this other stuff you start the 17th awesome let me put a two-week notice in a week later listen we're gonna have to rescind that job offer we gave to you we're, we're going a different direction wow. many many companies are doing that today zuckerberg called that many of his employees prepared that article as well with uh, what zuckerberg said he says many of you guys probably don't deserve to work here and you're probably not good enough to work here did you hear mm-hmm. that part with zuck yep. so let's very offensive but let's put that up there to talk about that wow. s&p 500 falls uh, uh to start to start the month after a brutal first half of the year white house sparks backlash after saying high gas prices guard liberal world order maybe adam's got some thoughts on that california to get up to 1050 inflation relief through newsom's budget deal fyi do not be surprised it looks like tom has some comments on this it looks like newsom may be uh being put together to be the 2024 uh, Democratic nominee. You, you, to, said, you said that the we, last podcast. We're a couple months ago, we talked yep. about that. But he he may be poison. Like he's looking like he's going to be their guy, and replacing a uh, 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 Biden. Peter Schiff. What's the story? Peter Schiff trying to say Puerto Rico bank under probe. Okay, we'll cover that story July first. That's right. That's the one I sent you. We'll cover that as well. Quarter Americans saying they are ready to take up uh, uh, arms against the government. Paul also finds the more. Then a third of those currently own guns. Joe Rogan claims DeSantis will be a good president. Uh, refers to Biden as dead man as president. Uh, Guatemalan president Kamala Harris is missing in action. Migration crisis. We need greater communication. Uh, percentage of Americans saying the country is heading in the wrong direction. Spikes to 85%. we got a few other stories we'll get into as well. Kevin Durant requesting a trade from the Nets. Very surprised because what this guy is famous for knowing to do is he'll stay with a team until they win a championship. He never takes the easy way out. I'm surprised he's doing this. It's the first time he's making a decision like that. Logan Paul, future president, signs a WWE contract, and then Rachel Maddow is being replaced with previously canceled Alex Wagner. Puzzles insiders, no institutional memory. Uh, And then military branches are having a hard time with the recruiting goals. So why don't we get right into it? Tom, with the market here. So S&P 500 fails after a uh, to have a good start after a miserable first half. Stocks fell Friday after the S&P 500 closed uh, its worst first half performance in decades as disappointing economic data continued to dampen market uh, sentiment. Several profit warnings also pressured stocks. The S&P 500 dipped 0.2%. Dow Jones Industrial lost 105 points, 0.3%. NASDAQ lost 0.2%. All of major averages were on pace for their fourth down week in five. The moves after several companies lowered their profit guidance, adding to investor concerns that persistent inflation at decades, long highs could continue to put pressure on share prices, consensus, estimates for 2022-2023 remains largely unchanged from the start of the year. Even though stock prices have declined considerably since then, weak guidance could finally force cut-to-consensus earnings estimates, which would likely add further downward pressure on stocks, says Greg Marcus, managing director of UPS, 
private wealth management. Tom, what is really going on with the market right now? Well, what's really going on is from the White House to the Treasury to the lead analysts on Wall Street, nobody wants to walk across the line and say it's really happening and it's really here. Consensus estimates from the beginning of the year are unchanged, Pat. You, you just read it. Yet, all the market indicators we can look at every day from stock prices, commodities, everything else is down. Why are they not revising it? Because no one wants to walk across the line and be the first guy to say, officially, we are in a deep bear market, not just a bear correction, but a deep bear market, number one. And number two, the White House, even though we are officially, as of July 1st, statistically in a recession, nobody wants to make that the lead stories. And so the White House and Treasury have friends on Wall Street, and they don't want, with midterms and everything coming up, they don't want people to feed into the recession a bull market story. And so that's why these analysts are sitting there and sitting on the news when reality, we're in a bear market, we're in a recession, but they're all afraid to be the first credible voice to come across the line and say, man, it's real and it's here. Because guess what happens? Someone has to do something about it, and that is the White House, and raising interest rates is the tool, and nobody wants that. So everyone is scared to fall across this. This is unsurprising to me, but it underlines just how bad the situation is for the economy right now. So, so you know how, uh, uh, you know how, Adam, do you have any comments on that, on what uh, yeah, just well, said? Look, uh, I just came back from New York. I definitely went, went to Wall Street. I mean, it was in the weekends, so you didn't really see, you know, the NYSE and everything that's going on during the week during the hoopla. But I walked by the raging bull, right? You know, the uh, the bull, the bull of Wall Street, and the defiant little girl. That's across the defiant the girl saw her too, um, and it and I and I remember a quote that I heard about markets. And Tom, you might want to weigh in this. And it says that um, bull markets will make you money. But bear markets can make you rich. So if we are entering a bear market, or if we're already there, okay, let's use that to our advantage, right? So when everything's going up and up and up, all right, everyone's making money. But if you position yourself correctly, and you understand what's coming, and, and you are prepared, then you have the opportunity to make a lot of money. Pat, you went off on... You're about to, buy, about to see a lot of people worth a hundred grand be worth a million. You're about to see someone who's worth a million mm -hmm. add another zero, ten million. If you're worth ten million, you're like this is the time if you prepare yourself. Uh, proper preparation prevents poor performance, right? That was what we always say. Yep. And um, Warren Buffett was just quoted by Elon Musk his strategy, the PPP strategy, which is predict, prepare, and persevere. There we go. And shout out to valuetainment.com for writing that article. Yeah, and so, but here's my question, guys. So like somebody like me that doesn't really know about stocks and whatever you guys say, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to soak it in. But what do you tell the average person that's not involved and you know doesn't know about mm -hmm. what you're talking about getting it? They're fucking struggling right now. Yeah. Shit is bad. And like, what do we just tell them? Hey, listen, that's, that, the White House is basically just saying, hey, suck it up. They even said this. Oh, it's a new mm -hmm. liberal world order. Suck all this shit up. Gas prices, everything. We're going somewhere. I was like, the whole going green shit. They took out all the white ones Biden got in. No drilling, no oil, no nothing. It's like, hey, deal with it. Right. We're trying You're to asking get what the, and what the you tell regular about? guy can What's do? a regular guy? Number one, Pat. And, and number mm -hmm. two, do you think if Trump, and I, I'm going right back to politics, if Trump was in, because my cousin was like, what, what would have Trump done different? What Do you think if Trump was in, Pat, I want to ask all you guys, what would it still be happening right now? What's happening right now? First of all, first of all, did you guys see uh, Griner open letter? Did you guys see a Griner no, open letter Griner, yesterday? Yeah, Do you, you know who I'm talking about? Or no, Brittany, Brittany, Brittany Griner, Griner wrote the open letter. Can you pull this up? Yeah. Brittany Griner writes an open letter to who? Joe Biden. Biden. You guys realize she's been out there for months. For months mm -hmm. Okay. So, Brittany, if you're listening to this in Russia, 
and you want to know who to really write the open letter to, write it to Trump. Yep. He'll probably get you out. Yep. Can you imagine? She says, I'm terrified I might be here forever. And Biden, what has he done? What has Kamala done? I'm sorry, Kamala. Aren't you supposed to be a gamer here? Aren't you supposed to get up there and make a video and say something about to get her out? How is she stuck there this entire time? Do you guys remember when Jorge Ramos, who hates Trump, do you remember where Jorge Ramos was stuck? Where was Ramos stuck? Do you guys remember when Ramos had an issue? You guys don't remember this? No, I remember. Tyler, do you remember this with Ramos? You're talking about Univision, Jorge Ramos? Jorge Ramos. Where was he stuck? Is, in Cuba? He, he, was, he was stuck. I'll tell you right now. I'll pull it up right now exactly what it was. He got sick, right? He got sick toilets. and then he had... So the- he had something going on that he comes out and then Trump, Trump comes out of nowhere and defends this guy. So you got a grinder here who is asking, hey... That's it. Venezuela. Ramos, yeah. Venezuelan government detained him. And him and Trump bump heads all the time. Oh, he they can't always. stand Hates Trump. Him. Hates him. Who bails him out? Trump. And guess who he thinks? Who? Trump. He thinks yeah. Trump. Shout out to him. So, uh, Griner, if you're listening to this, I can't stand the fact that you're stuck there. I can't stand the fact that you're stuck there. The current administration's campaign was to protect people like yourself, Okay. You were the person they were supposed to protect and go after to make sure nobody messes with you. You're stuck in Russia. Biden hasn't made one phone call to say you better release them or else I'm going to put more funds and strength in Ukraine. There is zero help going on here. Okay, zero. So here's the thing, which the comment you just made. Yesterday, a guy says to me, I post a comment about uh, the the tweet about I don't know if you saw the tweet I, uh, I tweeted about gas prices. When uh, uh, Biden's tweet, can you go to my Twitter account? I'll just read you what I said. When he says, uh, yeah, when he says, so one guy commented. I want to tell you what this guy commented. Keep going up, keep going up, keep going up, uh, up, up, up. It's the one when I respond to Biden's tweet. Uh, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Right there. Okay, click on that one right there. Uh, you can't do it, can you? Okay. All right, anyway, so I respond to his tweet. Biden says something about, in a very uh, uh, demanding voice, which, by the way, I don't <laughs> understand why you read, write it like that. In a demanding voice, he says, did you pull it up or it's not letting you? Okay, I'll just read it to you here, buddy. It's okay. We don't have to stress out about it. My message to the companies running gas stations. You ready? And setting prices at the pump is simple. This is a time of war and global peril. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product. And do it now. Okay, and this is my response. And by the way, Bezos responded first. And he gave an epic message. This is the guy he supported. Correct. And now he's having buyer's remorse. Yep. Okay. Like the White House needs to knock this off. So I say, I tweet this out and I say, first you blame Trump, then COVID, then Putin, then oil companies, now gas station owners. What's next? Blaming car owners for driving too much? <laughs> yeah. Then a guy responds back on Instagram, and he says the following. It's very important for you to see how the market is responding to this kind of stuff. And I want to read this guy's comment, and I'll pose my question that I gave to him. He says, Patrick, we know it's the oil companies raking in record profit uh, profits, and the government collects their share through taxes and political contribution. They're all in on it. What say you, Patrick Bed David? I don't know if you speak like that, but what say you, Patrick Bed David? <laughs> Sometimes I talk like you, that. What say David? Here's what I said. Why were they not ta- taking record profits under Trump, mm-hmm. but they are under Biden? Why not? Forget politics for a second and actually answer that question. And I got a few more for you afterwards. If they're taking record profits now and Trump is pro-oil, shouldn't they have taken record profits under Trump? So where does that argument go now? So, so wait a minute. Do you understand what I'm saying I got, here? I got you. So, hey, if these oil people are getting rich, why do they get rich under a Biden administration? 
not under a Trump administration. World Star posted something the other day about uh, b- uh, about. And by the way, World Star, if you were to guess which side politically World Star's audience falls as a left, middle, or right, libertarian. I- uh, well, I would, World Star? No. <laughs> I would say they're middle, but, I mean, but a lot left. of them. No, no, they're left. Yeah. They're 100% left because yeah. a, a bunch of their videos at Completely the end are left. And this yeah. guy's a Trump he's supporter. Even, no, he's joking yeah. right now. It's left. Yeah. Watch this. Mm-hmm. Go to the Instagram post they put when Biden says, uh, I'm, uh, Tyler, we can hear you type. I'm proud to say that America is officially the first country in the world to prove vaccines for six-month-old babies. Here's what I want you to do. Go read the response of people on that post. You know what you realize? More people agree and are on the same page than you think. Set aside identity politics, left, right, middle, center, whatever bullshit. 95% of us all agree on half the shit that's not working out. That's the problem today. People are sitting there and saying, what the hell is this guy saying? I voted for this guy. But what are you, ta- what are you putting out there, man? This is embarrassing. Take this thing off. Don't, don't put that up there, man. That's, but, Pat, you think they're staying quiet because they're so loyal and they're not going to fucking admit they're that they're messing quiet. up? They're no Are you sure? Quiet. No, no. You don't need everybody to be loud. You only need 10% of them to not be happy, and 10% of them are not staying quiet. They're sick of it. They're done with it. They're like, this is purely games. I'm freaking sick of it. When you mess with someone's kids and their pockets, they get upset, uh, and that's what's happening today. Yeah, that's what's happening today. And, and by the way, Pat, because Pat, uh, Trump helped uh, ASAP Rocky when he was arrested in, what, Sweden? Remember that too. He's coming to the call. But yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't mess around. I was on a flight the other day with Kodak Black. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. I'm like, is this Kodak Black? I'm like, yeah, it's Kodak Black. He's sitting right in front of me, and um, just a chill, regular guy. And I made the mistake of calling him Kodak Blue. Oh <laughs> Remember no! That? You're like, no, no, it's Kodak no, Black on the podcast, not to his uh, face. Yeah, <laughs> just, you're Mr. Blue. It's so yeah. great to see. You. <laughs> yeah. So that that when you when you think about what's going on with the economy and the numbers. By the way, I want to show you guys something with the economy. So, do you guys know this uh, this guy named Dave Ramsey? Mm-hmm. Have you heard of Dave Ramsey? Absolutely. You ever heard of the guy's so. name? Very much. Dave Sensible Ramsey, personal financial planning. Yes, right? we'd love to have him on the podcast. But Dave Ramsey, I think you are wrong, and let me tell you why. So, Dave Ramsey is saying he doesn't think real estate is going to take a hit. He thinks real estate is going to be maybe a minor little hit, but not a big hit. Which, by the way, he may be right. However. There's one data point you have to look at, whether real estate's going to take a hit or not, mm-hmm. because that's where his argument is. His argument is, how is real estate going to take a hit if inventory isn't there? Well, if inventory isn't there, guess who's right? Dave Ramsey is right. Yeah. Why? Here's why. Because say I'm a realtor and Adam is looking to buy a million-dollar house, okay? And he specifically wants to buy this house in a community that is close to the school because he wants his cats and his kids to go to a nice <laughs> private school. But the challenge only is the best there is only one, there's only $2 million homes in the market. One of them doesn't have a swimming pool. The other does have a swimming pool. He wants a swimming pool. One is four-bedroom. The other one is three-bedroom. He needs four bedrooms. So I go there and I say, Adam, I don't think we're going to make a million-dollar offer here because you're not going to get it. He says, what do you mean? I said, if you try to negotiate hard here, you're going to lose because they're going to get 50 offers. I say, we go strong. What are you talking about? I say, we go with an offer of 1.15. Pat, it's a million-dollar listing. I say, you offer 1.1, 1.15 if you really want this thing because if you don't, it's going to go cash, pro- mm-hmm. cash is going to come in 1.2. So Adam's now panicking. And by the way, my argument as a realtor in that situation, guess who's right? I'm right. 
in that situation. And Adam sits there and says what? Damn, this guy's right. Why? Because he goes on Realtor every day and nothing new is popping up. Yes or no? When you're looking at houses. So Adam says, okay, Pat, I'm not going to make an offer 1.15, but I'll make an offer for what? A million 85. Okay. Great. He puts the offer for a million 85. We send it in. Their realtor comes back saying, we got 47 offers. The biggest one is 1.11. This is your last chance. What do you want to do? I tell Adam, Adam, if you don't get this, there's probably not going to be anything for another year or two. Adam comes back and says, let's make that offer 1.16. He loses at 1.17. Okay? Today, if inventory was 50 for the million-dollar house and 30 of them had a swimming pool with four bedrooms, guess what Adam's now doing? Adam's saying, make an offer of 880. Yeah. Make an offer of ninth. I'm not making no million dollar offer. There's 45 other properties I can look at. So here's what Dave Ramsey says. The housing market is not crashing. Sorry to end your fear porn party, but the sky is really not falling. It's definitely scary. And some of the things going on truly do suck, but the sky is not falling. And the way he's explaining it is the fact that the inventory is not there. Now pull up the data I just mm-hmm. pulled uh, sent to you from realtor.com. This is Realtor.com article, okay, and it shows what's happened. Go up a little bit and then zoom in. Go up, go up, go up, go up to the chart and then zoom in. Zoom in. Okay, check this out, guys. Look at this. Go a little bit out. Okay, there you go. Watch this. So active listing count, the years. You see the colors, 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. 22 is at the bottom. It's the yellow one. Do you see that? Okay, so inventory, active listing in January to February, it goes down. February to March, pretty even. March to April, about flat. April to May, boom. May to June, boom. 18.7% year over year. This data increasing is the scariest thing for realtors, and it's the best thing for buyers. So if this thing climbs up, Dave Ramsey has to apologize to his fan base for getting this wrong. And it's going up. If this (laughs) thing goes down, we will give Dave Ramsey a shout-out for getting it right. But it's Mm -hmm. that simple. Folks, if there's any data you want to watch, pay very, very close attention to this. You know how you were going to shops and you didn't see any Rolexes for sale? Yeah. Plenty of Rolexes for sale right now. Right now, everybody's selling them. So you want to buy payment. Rolex? They're everywhere. And why? Why think? Go on eBay. They're everywhere. All the, they're selling everything. People are getting rid of everything. I mean, listen. Wall Street Journal story came up. Mm-hmm. Pull up the Wall Street Journal story about. Uh, 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 anyways, Tom, I'll turn it over to you. Give some thoughts on this on what I'm saying. Yeah, there there are three things that are out there driving this right now that are all facts. And by the way, I love it when you put the charts up there because whenever I go toe to toe with liberals, I have a little phrase I like. Uh oh, facts. Here they come. <laughs> Well, the first thing you've done is the inventory. So what's making the inventory Dave Ramsey is not liberal whatsoever. No, no, no. Just no I'm so not you talking know. about Dave Ramsey. Okay, I'm talking gotcha. about the facts here. Gotcha. So the first element is that right now, those people that partnered, maybe you and me, Adam, we partnered and we were trying to do a couple house flips Sick here in South, South Florida. <laughs> Guess what? The party's over. What are we saying to each other right now? Hey, we don't have deep pockets. We're not like BlackRock buying up residential real estate everywhere. Guess what? We need to get out of this now. These... The prices are flattening out. Interest rates are going up. We have to get out. We're putting inventory on. That's first. Second, there is unemployment that is starting to happen in key areas. That inventory is coming on market. And third, as soon as the price is level, all of the sidelines, this is the biggest 
group, Pat, people that were on the sidelines that was thinking of selling a house, maybe moving or retiring, going to a different area, they've been watching the prices go up. And remember, when prices go up like stock goes up, I won't sell it today. Maybe Apple will be 1700 tomorrow. I won't sell it 1700 Maybe Apple will be 1800 tomorrow. You know, you get talked into the next level of greed. You know what I mean, Pat? The next 1%. Those people that were on the sideline are bringing inventory on the market right now because they say the party's over and I'm getting out. All of that is driving inventory. And by the way, the normal number one thing that drives inventory is job change. It's forced inventory. And that that storm hasn't even come ashore yet. But if you want to do the real estate market like a hurricane map here in Florida, it's coming. All of this is driving inventory and it it has to drive prices down. So Ramsey and other people that are maybe living in denial and thinking it's not going to happen, not going to be so bad, it's going to bottom out right here. No, it's not. We got another three quarters interest rate two weeks ago, right? Here come. Listen. The interest rates and the layoffs are going to keep yeah. fueling it. Talking fast so I can get it done. There's, there's two camps here. Choose your camp. Choose your camp, folks. There's the one camp that's saying nothing's wrong. Everything's going to be all right. Your house prices are not going to drop. Don't worry about it. Keep spending your money. Keep living your lifestyle the same exact way. That's one camp. The other camp is shit's about to hit the fan. Real estate's going to drop. Inflation's going to keep going up. Interest rates are going to go up. The next 12, 18, 24 months are going to be ugly, but it's going to be fine. It's not the end of the world. We'll come out of this in the next two, three, four, five years. And then everybody goes back to business as usual. Here's the key about these two different camps. Whichever camp you choose, you just hope you're part of the right camp in two years. Okay? Because if you're part of the wrong camp in two years, you are not going to come out of this thing better than you were prior to this camp. So to the Dave Ramsey camp, look, go to the other part about the savings. These are a couple things folks have to pay close attention to. Uh, this is a WSJ story. Americans tap pandemic savings to cope with inflation. Okay, what happens when people start tapping into their savings because inflation, they run out of savings. And then after they run out of savings, what do they do? They start selling things that they have. And when they start selling things that they have, what happens when a seller is selling something and he has to use that thing that he's selling to pay the mortgage next Friday? Uh, and you tell him, I'll wait two weeks. And he says, no, 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 but I, I, what if we do a deal right now? No, 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 I'll buy it in two weeks. No, no, right now. You can screw him. Listen, it, not time. screw him. It's not screw him. It's called being irresponsible. Yeah. I've been irresponsible when I, to, when I was forced to sell stuff because I desperately needed money. And a person that was responsible, guess what? They, credit goes to the person that was responsible. There's nothing wrong with the guys that, hey, when everybody else was partying, you were saving money. Then when the time comes like this, this is the time where you get to buy things for sale while everybody else was buying $700 bottles and you were not. That's just there's all, that's all, that's all there is to it. Works in your 20s, 30s, 40s when that age starts with four, man. That stuff kind of changes a little bit. But anyway, so yeah, mm -hmm. interest rates. The other thing I want you to pull up, if, if you could do me a favor. Uh, Tyler, pull up, go to Google and type in history of U.S. interest rates. History of U.S. interest rates. Watch this one here, which is freaking very, very interesting. History of U.S. And let me see, not that one. There's there's one that I want you to pull up, which is which is the main one to pull up. It's the one I used yesterday. Uh, pop, 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 pop. History of interest rates from 1970 to today. That's right. This is where Jimmy Carter looks at the oh, chart and my. goes, hey, look, I won. Uh, no, Jimmy, actually, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. losing, buddy. <laughs> when, you, when you look at this interest rates, it shows 5.7 today. And then when you go back on what the rates were like, let me see if I have the article here, because this is the one that, folks, if you see this article, a look at historical, okay, it's Forbes Advisor. All right, let me pull this one up. Forbes uh, Advisor. I'll send this to you. And da 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 da. How do I? 
uh, keep going up, keep going up. It's okay, they right there. there zoom in. That's the one. That's exactly the one. Okay, so zoom in all the way into today. Zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in until it's so close. Keep going. Zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. That's the most you can go. Okay, so how scary does that look? Not that bad, right? If you look at that, what does that story say? You're like, Pat, let me listen, man. What are you guys panicking? It's only 5.7%. Okay. I mean, if you go a little bit back, keep going all the way, like put your, uh, put the uh, thing on it. No, put the mouse on the, yeah, keep going back. When's the last time it was 5.7? Keep going back, 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 2008 back, back. coming down, keep right? Going, right there. there okay, when is. is that? 2008 coming down. Okay, Weird. so 2008, 5.7. All right. Now, in 2007, when it was 5.7, had we printed the amount of trillions of dollars that we printed now? No. No. But keep going back. We were printing houses. 6%. (laughs) Keep going back. Keep going back. 7%. Keep going back. 7%. 8%. Keep going back. 9%. Keep going back. Keep going back. Keep going back. Now zoom in a little bit so everybody sees what happens here. Okay? Now go all the way to the top. And what is that? 18.37%. And what Jimmy Carter did is not one one hundred at what we're doing right now with the way we're printing money. Mm-hmm. So that right there, folks, if you're listening, that's the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is 18.37, which I don't think we're going to get to the worst case scenario. But the best case scenario is somewhere in the middle that we can potentially get to. That 5.7 could hit 10. Just telling you, it could. don't be surprised if it goes to 8 to 10%, maybe higher than that for like a mm-hmm. month or two, and then all of a sudden they start printing $3 trillion of money again to solve it, and it could get nasty. So Dave Renz, you may be right, but there's this thing called data, and it looks like inventory is going up, and history of rates, 5.7 right now is still cheap, and we're probably going to hit 7, 8, 9, 10 sometime in the next 6, 12, 24 months. You know what's interesting? Um I'd like to find out what they did, what the Fed did, what the presidency did during Carter, during the late 80s when Reagan came in, uh, early 80s, uh, what they did to fight inflation. Like, the, what, what did they do to fight these interest rates? Meaning, like, right now, you talk about quantitative easing. They've done all that. Now they're raise, raising uh, interest rates uh, by a quarter, uh, three quarters of a percentage. What did they do de- then, and how long did it take to settle down the economy? Uh, this is before my time. You were probably in your late teens 20s during at this time so maybe you remember what they did economically do you remember what they did yeah i did my dad my dad had conversations with me about it and um there's two things and he used to say he didn't talk about capitalism but he said listen reagan is going to expand the economy and when the economy expands taxes are created and they naturally you know cure a lot of the ills. They build jobs mm-hmm. so the government doesn't have to provide assistance. They create expansion and taxes for the government so the government doesn't have to raise taxes. And Reagan came in and made a Reagan tax cut and also uh, drove expansionist policies mm-hmm. because he had, to do, he had to whip two things at the same time. It was um, Jimmy Carter, and this is one of the great moments in presidential debates. Um, Jimmy Carter had assailed Gerald Ford in uh, 1976, that election, saying, you know, Mr. Ford, you know, you, um, there's a misery index on the American people. You know, it's 5% interest rates and it's 6% unemployment. That's a misery index of 11 or 12, whatever it was. Four years later, Reagan looked at him at the presidential debate and said, Mr. Carter, I'd like to remind you, you invented the misery index. And then, then it was up to mm-hmm. 21. So he says, congratulations, you've increased the misery index, which you defined. But it was reducing regulation of businesses, expansionist uh, economic policy, and he cut taxes. 
And guess what happened? People got jobs. People paid reasonable taxes with those jobs. The economy expanded. And you can take a look. It went down as fast as it went up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back then, there was a guy named David Stockman. The liberals used to refer to it as voodoo economics, trickle-down mm-hmm. theory. But guess what? History shows it worked. Do you remember what made voodoo economics famous? In Ferris Bueller's day off, when he's like, uh, voodoo, yeah. uh, Bueller, Bueller, that's what we refer no, but to, to as voodoo to your point, economics. To your point, it, it came down to simple. Right. It was, it yeah. was very simple. Well, why, I'm going to reduce um, taxes, let the economy expand, get people to get jobs, and the people with the new jobs pay reasonable taxes, and the whole thing will work. One and of the did. things you always hear about Reagan was the trickle-down economics. Trickle-down economics doesn't work. I, I mean, I don't have a, like a horse in this race on trickle-down, trickle-down economics, but that was sort of Reagan's thing. What are your thoughts on that? I, I, I think just let's go back and take a look at the expansion of GDP, the expansion of the number of jobs, and unemployment went down. So mm-hmm. when people can get a house at a more reasonable interest rate, they're happy. When they have a job, they're happy. When they don't pay as much taxes on that paycheck for that job, they're happy. It seemed to be that, that it worked pretty well for the economy. You go back, look at historians will say, well, Reagan didn't do this, didn't do that. Look, you can pick on any mm-hmm. president in a number of ways, and Reagan had his sins. But he turned this ship around. By the way, so, so think about it this way, Adam. Just think mm-hmm. about... You sell uh, life settlement, right? And mm-hmm. you've sold other products. The way a comp structure is set up produces the right behavior, right? So, okay, so what behavior do we want right now? Let's just say we're the administration, you're the president, I'm one of your strategists, and we're sitting here strategizing on how to fix this economy right now. Whose help do we need Sorry, the most? president, I just fell asleep. Whose help do we need right now? Whose help do we need? If you're the president, we're the strategist, the economy's like this right now, whose help do we need? Whose help do we Whose need? Whose help do you need? Well, clearly, first and foremost, the Fed, right? You need no, Jerome Powell. No, no, need- no, he can't do shit. I mean, he's just going to interest rate. That's fake, right? Actual economy. Whose help do we need to actually improve the economy? Uh, business owners. Okay. So firing. How- okay, perfect. Employment. So uh, right now, business owners are firing. Okay? That's what they're doing. They're downsizing. And mm-hmm. it's not just one of them. Many of them are, right? Mm-hmm. So if you know that's what they're going through, why do you think business owners are firing? They're anticipating a recession of some capacity, right? And they're feeling what's going on with their mm-hmm. businesses, right? Okay, so for example, I'm talking to this guy that's a, uh, a mortgage guy, loan officer. Out of 100 loan officers out there, okay, when they did loans, did most loan officers, what percentage of the loans they did that they made money on was a refi? What percentage of the loans that they did the last two, three, four, five years was a new purchase? For the last two, three, four years when the interest rate's going down. I'm guessing 75% refi. Refi, right? Okay. So guess what? That business is gone. Yeah, 100%. Which means you went from making 100 grand a month to making 25 grand a month. Mm -hmm. 75, you understand what I just did right there? Okay, sounds good. So, so, but but, but, but stay with me here. So if you want business owners, if you need business owners, what can you do for the business owners to not fire these employees? What can you do with them for the next two years? What can you do with the business owners? With the business owners that are about to fire right now, you're like, okay, guys, hold off. What can you do to get business owners the next two years to not fire those people? Tax incentives of Tax some capacity? incentives for the next two years. Mm-hmm. Tax incentives for the next mm-hmm. two years. Remember, like, you know, the structure's a plus minus. If in the next such and such time frame you hire five more people, mm-hmm. we're going to give you the five more people you hire at a 50% of the whatever salary you give them, we'll give you that as a tax incentive. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to hire five people and each of them going to be 50 grand, that's what? 
250. If you set 50% incentive of taxes for the next two years, 125, now I'm hiring those five people because we're sharing that together. So the business owner now sees you as trying to work with them and the business owner now has an incentive to not fire those people. But the way you're doing it right now, the business owner is cornered to say, what do you want me to do? Yeah. I have yeah. to make the tough choice. So there And that's are, well within the business owner's rights. And by the way, of course. so who wins there? Think about who wins there. Nobody. In that situation, if if we keep those five people and we don't fire them, who wins? Well, the employees. They, they, who else wins? The business, hopefully. Who else wins? The tax pool. Who else wins? Everybody. The, the president states. wins. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. The states win because even you now don't have the havoc of everyday people turning on seeing this data. So that kind of a decision-making process gets people to say, listen, we're giving the business owners more tax incentives. Do we want to do that? Yeah, but these guys are keeping these people as a job. That's a good point. And if these people are getting jobs, we don't have crime going up because if people don't make money, they steal. And they're doing more dumb things of taking out guns and desperation and theft. You know what? If we do this, this could actually bring crime down. And maybe we see fewer of these horror stories we hear in yeah, let's kind of work with the small business owners because we need them, okay? That's how you, like when they did the PPP loan, mm-hmm. that was just handing out money. I don't agree with the PPP loan. That was a mess. That was a mess. No, this is about, hey, yeah. you're willing to do this, I'm willing to give you this. When you just said PPP, that's exactly what I was thinking about what happened over the past few years I'm where they're that. just incentivizing people I'm to keep- i yeah. You have to remember one thing on, about uh, these tax incentives. Yep. Remember, the tax incentives is the federal government, say us, us, we the people, helping- the individual states individual basis you know why the first dollar welfare is at the state level the first dollar welfare your unemployment benefits are usually at the state level like what does Cal- that mean well that means edd in california that is where the unemployment benefits in the state of california are coming from what's so, edd stand for uh economic development department or okay division or whatever in sacramento edd and so when you have a business in california you send your state taxes to edd so if the federal government says, hey, hire those five people and I'm going to cover 125 tax incentives, if the federal government does that, that actually helps California and it helps the individual states. So we the people help the individual states because the first dollar welfare is usually at the state level. So that's an example of our federal government helping our state government and the great handshake, as it's called, working. Hmm. And I, I think the people, like the average person like me, would I would I mean, I, it's never going to happen. They would love to have uh, an administration that's go, hey, guys, we're fucking up. Buckle down. It's happening right now. Instead of just going like this statement right here. Bring down the priest. Yeah, blaming brother, everybody else. Let me tell you something. I don't care. And you, you keep reverting back to, well, would Trump do something different? Would Biden? Would Obama? It's like, who gives a shit? Handle your own shit. I'm not saying you. There's something called personal responsibility. There's something called personal finance. If you're always looking at the president or the Fed to to, or the government to bail you out or be your answer, you're looking in the wrong place. You need to look in the mirror. So what? Like ask Pat. I guarantee you, Pat made money under Obama. I guarantee you, made money under Trump, and I guarantee you, he's making money under Biden. Now there are different tax strategies he needs to you know encounter. Of course. Are there different ramifications for decisions he makes? But at the end of the day, if you're a business owner or you're an entrepreneur, you got to figure it out yourself. That's yep. my thought. You, you're, you, there's a part of that that's factual. And then there's the other part that you have to pay more attention to who you elect. You just have to. Correct. You're, you, you're right. There's a part of it that you're like, you can work for a company and be like, who cares who the CEO at the top is? Just go sell your policies. Who cares who the CEO is? You're right, but at the same time, 
if the CEO at the top is the right CEO, he'll be driving better, he'll be setting the example better, he'll be coming up with better innovative campaigns, he'll be thinking about how to make the company better. That part is also, it takes two to make a thing go mm -hmm. right. It takes two, one, it takes two, us, together we take over the world. I think there's a part of where both of you are right, and there's some responsibility in these policies when you're looking at this. I mean, looking, can you pull up the CNBC article about what's going on with people living paycheck to paycheck? This is, pull up. I'm in the 58%. Yeah, look one at this. Pat, I'm in the 58%, everybody. 58% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck after inflation spike. But this is the most interesting data, including 30% of those earning 250 or higher. Why do yep. you think, well, now how is that because of their? What do you, like 30% earning 250 or higher today? All the shit that they bought, First, all the stuff that they're paying. Yeah, man, listen. That's exactly right, because America yeah. has classically been an aspirational. There are three levels of luxury group purchasers. Mm -hmm. Pure cash, any economy, any day. It's got money. Next one is pure cash, good economy. The next level is aspirationalists who are usually paying for them on payments. Gotcha. So you get a lot of good realtors down in uh, Miami having heyday, 1800 a month on a Bentley, okay? <laughs> Guess what? That has to go away. They didn't buy that car. That car bought them. Yep, exactly. And so that's... The, this is exactly what I'm trying to tell you, bro. Yeah. I don't care if it's Obama. I don't care if it's Biden. I don't care if it's Trump. You're making a quarter million dollars a year. It's on you to make the right decisions. I, I agree you with that. You need to know the difference between wants and needs. You're familiar with the acronym HENRY? H-E-N-R-Y? Mm. HENRY? High earners, not rich yet. You're a high earner. You're making $250,000 a year. Okay, choice is yours, buddy. Yeah. Do you want to spend 150 and save 100 grand, or do you want to spend 280 and take on 30 grand in debt? The choice is yours. Do you need to drive a Mercedes? Do you need to live in a three bedroom high rise condo? So uh, the you choice know, is yours, yeah. right? The, know the difference between wants and needs. Do you feel bad for anyone making a quarter million no. dollars a year that's paid not to paycheck? No, not at all. I don't. Not no. at all. Yeah. Okay, 50% of millennials who make. A hundred grand or more are living paycheck to paycheck. I don't feel. I don't feel bad for them. They want to have a Rolex. They want to drive a nice car. I get Precisely. it. But they don't. They, it's called lifestyle creep. The yeah. more money you make, the more you feel like, well, I deserve to have a nicer car. I'm working yeah. hard. I deserve to move into a nicer area. Yeah. I deserve to go on vacation to Mykonos this summer. All my friends are going to Ibiza. You know, so but is that the real make the right decision? Well, my question is, what I'm is but and I, I I agree 100. But the average American isn't making 250 thousand dollars a year. Average Americans, the voters that are actually hit, getting hit the hardest, and I, I feel you. They're not out there buying Bentley and right. shit, like, shit like that. The, I'm the average American, yeah, bro. I'm right. not making that shit. Well, let me tell you, something, and it's fucking hard. I've right went now. and I've interviewed, quote unquote, the average Americans who got stimulus checks. They were down in South Beach. I mean, when the, everyone was shut down in 2020, 2021, they all got stimulus yeah. checks. I remember I interviewed a girl. This was crazy. Yeah, huh? I interviewed a girl. I said, "Hey, uh, did you get your what was it, fourteen hundred dollars stimulus check? What was yeah, it? Yeah, like fourteen. Okay, um, didn't qualify. I doubt you qualified either." I said, uh, "What's up? You you got a four? She goes, "Nope, I got fifty six hundred. I go, "Oh, what, what the fuck? I got I got kids. I got dependents. Oh, how much did this trip cost you? Oh, fifty six hundred. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. She took her entire stimulus check and she went to South Beach and partied. She could have put that into a retirement account. She could have paid off mm -hmm. debt. Mm -hmm. I don't feel bad for people. We're not living in in some poor country in the middle of Africa. They're starving with water. Like you're you're in freaking America." You make 50 grand a year. Figure it out. I'm not saying that things aren't tough. I'm not saying that economic times aren't in peril. I'm not saying that. But we're still in America. You're, st you're not 
Poor, you're broke. There's a difference. Poor is I live in the middle of Africa. I make no, I'm living a hut. Correct. Yep. Broke is I make 50 grand a year and I can't get ahead. Maybe you get a roommate. Maybe you don't drive a Mercedes and you just drive a used car. Maybe you don't live in a nice, you know, two bedroom place downtown. You split like, I don't feel bad for working Americans, meaning like there's options out there. You're still in America. Right. Okay. I, 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. I've interviewed so many of these people that take their stimulus checks you know, and they go party in South Beach. L listen, there's different kinds of diets. Okay. There's different kinds of diets. I'll give you a few diets I've gone on. Okay. <laughs> One diet I went on is uh, I was 25 years old, 24, 25 years old, went to Highland uh, in Hollywood. Club had just opened up. This is 18 years ago, 19 years ago, and it was like the place to be. I went there, one of my friends, uh, X was there with another guy, and he goes to say hi to the girl. The X comes, pushes him. We got into a big fight, and beer bottles being thrown. I'm on top of a guy. It's pretty nasty. <laughs> Cops show up. They arrest. They, they have all of us in, like, uh, what do you call it? Okay. Yeah. And I said to the cop, I said, listen, you got to let me go. You'll, I, swear, I said, you let me go. I swear to God, you'll never see me here ever again. He says, what do you mean? I said, I have big plans in my life. You got to let me go. I'm telling you, I swear to God, you will never see me here ever again. I don't know why the cop let me go. Just got the chills. My, look at, look at I, look I at see it. That's fucking amazing. Look at that right there. My entire body just got chills. Wow. I said, I swear to God, you will never see me here ever again. I never went back again. Mm -hmm. Clubs was out of my life. I've been on a club diet <laughs> since then. Yeah. When I was uh, going and doing this Bible study with this guy in Pas Pasadena, I heard this one guy talk about the fact that go on a sex diet. And for me, my biggest obsession was women at the time. That was my biggest distraction. So guess what I did? No sex 17 months. You know how hard that is for a guy that that's like his. How old are you? How old are you? I'm 24 oh, years God, old. That's Jesus. insane. I yeah. give you credit. So I go. Now, that happens, and I went on a pure, mm -hmm. I'm done. Yep. Don't how, call 17 me. 17 months? 17 months. That's You've fucking... done the same thing 17 months, but it wasn't like uh, your own decision. That was No, conscious. my pickup line was just <laughs> shit. It was horrible. It was just like, all, hey, I highly doubt it. If you've seen Vinny's pictures, Vinny's one of the most handsome guys you'll I love see. You. Very Stop. good looking guy. But, Stop. But, but the point is, so I went on that diet. Okay. Next diet. The diet was, I am no longer having the lightweight conversations with people that all they want to do is bitch and complain about life mm -hmm. and blaming everybody. I'm going on a diet. When friends who were constant complainers, negative, being around other people that blame their bosses, blame everybody, I said, dude, we can't do lunch anymore. This will be the last time. That was a third diet. Then when I wanted to get married and I wanted to live a life of being married with kids, I had a single diet. Then I said, I can't hang out with single people anymore mm -hmm. because your language of a single person is a single person's language. A single person talks in a different way than a married person does. If I have aspirations of having a family, I'm going on a singles diet. It doesn't matter. No matter where you are right now, whatever your vice is today, if it's video games, if it's women, if it's drugs, if it's alcohol, if it's whatever you got, it's time to go on your diet and not tell nobody about it until two, three years later when you're winning, kicking everyone's ass. Then you say, here's what I did the last three years. Because mm -hmm. while you're going through it, no one cares. So he went on a diet. Definitely not the 17-month diet, but he went on a diet, and a diet he went on got him to have a million dollars in cash savings. Good for him. But there's a diet you go through with that. Okay, His diet could have been cars. His diet could have been different types of things, right? Mm -hmm. But people can say whatever they want to say. The, the one reality when you're looking at the stat about a quarter million dollar earners, not the 50, 
Look, there's a very simple philosophy that I go by. Nothing lasts forever. Let me explain what I mean by that. If you're winning and you're making, say this is your biggest, you make a million eight, don't assume you're going to make a million eight for the rest of your life. Facts. Assume that million eight is really $300,000, save $700,000 of it, set it aside. If you're on top of the world and you're the hottest girl and you're attractive 22, 23 years old and you're at Mm -hmm. your peak, let me tell you something. You are never going to look as good as you do today, okay? If you're the 26-year-old with the abs, the muscles, all this stuff, you're like, oh, look, 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 look. Okay, you ain't going to look that like forever, okay? Eventually, those looks are going to go away. This doesn't mean I'm, I'm in the best shape I've been since I was 24 years old, and I feel great. But I'm not, I don't look like I did when I was 21, 22, 23 years old, not even close on what I looked like at that age, and I'm totally fine with it. Military, top-notch shape. I'm not in that shape today, right? So nothing lasts forever. However, one thing does. Legacy, history, doing something big that's written about and talked about. The only way you and I get to live forever is by the legacy we leave behind with the work that we do professionally, with the kids that we raise, with the relationships that we build, with the companies that we build, with the books that we write, with the articles that we write that make an impact on people's lives. That's one way where you can live forever. All this other stuff that people are chasing, one day they're going to go away. And you're going to sit there and you're going to realize, what currency was really the most valuable? What the hell was I doing so obsessed about that thing? Man, I'm so over it. I want to go live a big life. So pick and choose your diet, whichever one it is, then go light it up. That was awesome because now, now as I sort of got Pat. First of all, when you said you had goosebumps, that was deja vu to me. I don't know if that means we had this or this was supposed to happen, another life, whatever. And then you said pick the diet. As you were saying it and you were saying don't tell it to nobody, No, I already have the one that I have, and I hope everybody else that's listening has it. As you were saying that, I already know the one thing that I have to just yeah, okay. take that shit Everything out. you said was completely spot Perfect. on, and it's it's – Look, one of the things I always say when it comes down to money management or whether it's accountability, 50% is knowledge. All right, I know what I need to do. I know, you know, uh, what I got to do. I got to stop eating donuts. I got to work out. I got to save money. The other 50%, though, is behavioral. Are you actually going to do it? Yep. That's the problem with the complainers out there and with the Being victim committed. mentality. Being committed it's, and do it. Oh, my boss this. Oh, my friend. Oh, why don't they? It's like mother effort. You have to do it. Oh, are we having caviar? Yeah, well, I'm, listening. Going. I'm listening. Keep going. But, on. Is this but really it's cav- easy. Caviar right now. Like 50% oh knowledge, 50% behavior. The hard part is to actually do it, to actually read the books, to actually not have sex for 17 months somehow, to actually say, Save your money. <laughs> this is hilarious. Like, listen, that's Pat. the hard. And like, and don't you know you go above your means, Pat. More fucking caviar. Listen, hey, everybody. This is a gift <laughs> by Maral and Becky. Maral and Tikron, thank you for this caviar. It's a gift. So I appreciate Tikron, it. That was am- that was fantastic. Thank you, so okay, let's continue. Yeah, let's I'll continue. Take another one. These are great. No question about it. I'll get you. So let's continue with the next story here. Uh, Joe Rogan. Let's talk about Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan claims DeSantis would be a good president. Refers to Biden as a dead man. President, uh, page five, let's see what Joe's got to say about this. During the last episode of Joe Rogan Experience, the host Joe Rogan said that the governor DeSantis would uh, work as a good president. Rogan spoke from a former female UFC fighter uh, and Star Wars, the Mandalorian uh, star Gina Carano. 
uh, for his latest interview. At one point, the topic of uh, their talk turned to current events and the current president of the office, who Rogan referred to as a dead man president. Yeah. So all this stuff is happening while we have a dead man president. Rogan adding as exasperated. It's not fun. So even Rogan is a fan of DeSantis. When we were in Jacksonville, you know who came to see him perform? So DeSantis came and watched him do his comedy show. While you guys were there? With while the we were there. And then when the fight happened in, in Jacksonville, guess who came to the fight? DeSantis? Uh, DeSantis. Oh, so DeSantis wow. went to the comedy and he went to the, the UFC. And did you hear what Trump said yesterday? Did you hear what Trump said yesterday about DeSantis? What did he say? Watch this one. You Just put Trump DeSantis and go to news, what Trump said about DeSantis yesterday. Check this out. Trump, uh, 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 where he says, I actually can see myself being, a, I, I think uh, DeSantis would be a great running mate as a VP. Oh, yeah. oh he said that? <laughs> go, oh, go, to that. Go, go to that. If Trump, you can't Trump, beat him, offer to have him join. <laughs> yeah. Trump doesn't rule out running with DeSantis as his VP. I get along with him. Because being negative right now wouldn't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what do you think? What do you think about that comment? Like, it's you know, I see him as a VP. Like, well, I, how do you process that? Because okay, let's be honest. A, he's the egomaniac. We all know that, bro. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Trump was crazy, polarizing. Whatever the economy, all the policies were good. But I mean, he does have a fan base. I personally want DeSantis to be the president. That's just hands down. But if Trump runs again, Trump could only go for one more term, right? If Trump wins. can only go for one, one more term. term. I mean, why not? You're setting up DeSantis to, you know, keep that going for, you know, 12, the next for 12, 12 yeah, 12 years. more years. So, I mean, it could be, it could be good. But I mean, I, I don't. From who do we talk to that time you had here, Pat? The the girl uh, that was his press, Nikki pre Freed or no, Christina Pushaw. The, the, Chris, the Christine, when she was yeah. like, he, it's too early to talk about it. She doesn't, she didn't want to mention it. Yeah. But I felt like she had something in her pocket where yeah. she's like, he would run and he does want to run. But I mean, I, I think it might be a good strategy to be like, listen. I'm definitely going to go. I'm probably going to win because the way that everything is all jacked up right now. And then you'll just, just wait in the wings, and then you'll get, you know what I mean, you'll get the eight years after me. I think I it's an olive branch. He's suddenly saying something halfway positive about DeSantis. Remember, three months ago, DeSantis was unappreciative. That's what Trump said about him. Remember that? And so he was pushing back. like He was trying to keep him out of the field of play three months, four months ago. Now that he's in the field to play, polls are proving it, he's putting out this olive branch. I'm the big dog. Come run with me. We win. I think I that's where it's going. I agree. I don't know. Um, I think I think Trump is still the lead guy. No matter what? I think Trump, Trump dude, he, his endorsement record, I don't know if you're following his endorsement record. He's like 140 and 11. I mean, he's better than the 97, 98 Chicago Bulls, oh, right. the record he's got. He's 141 and 11 on right. the endorsements he made. You have to know there's weight behind his voice. Because um, look at his campaign. But, Pat, his campaign, not to cut you off, his campaign's going to be like, what did I tell you? Look at this shit. You want me, me back? His campaign, it's you're right, be, can actually be, I told you so. I told you so. Right, you're, and you're, you're right? correct about it. You know how yeah. I measure it, Pat? I measure it that the one that he didn't get in Georgia, CNN covered it for three weeks. Yeah. Right? <laughs> this is Trump's endorsement didn't work. Remember the guy in Georgia? Yeah. And they're like, wait a minute, why are they screaming about this one yeah. This exactly. one for no, three weeks? No, it's because they're scared to death listen, of it. Listen, people can say whatever they want. Michelle Obama has voice. Whether you like Michelle Obama, if Michelle Obama goes out there on the campaign trail, she's got weight. When Obama shows up, he's got weight. When Trump shows up, he's got weight. I don't care if you like Trump or if you like Obama, and I don't care if you don't like them. There is weight behind their voice when they show up, and Trump's, Trump still has it. Now, Trump is claiming he's going to come out and announce that he's running this month. 
Oh wow! Yeah, he wants to make an early announcement. Yeah, yeah, he wants to make an early announcement, like this month. That's going to be July. Crazy. He has well, to that's what Roger that. Stone said he was going to do. Well, there's an article that also came out. I don't know if Roger said. Oh, Roger said that as well last week. He, the, he said an I article project uh, that he's going to say something in July. An article just came out as well and, that said that. And Pat, so I what's be so? And the only well, he thing has to push back on the polls. The polls with the DeSantis are going up. I can't let this get to the I, midterm. I agree with that. And well, get and get DeSantis. No, thank I, you. I also, and let DeSantis get to ten points over me. I have to declare now to clear the deck. And, and their and their only thing to kind of because I remember we we had the Russian collusion thing was for you know. The whole got the whole freaking presidency. The January sixth thing. Where's that? Did, did that finish? I know they had no, some girl. I think it's still, still going. going. They're still going on. Where they're like, he grabbed the wheel and said, "Let's go." And it's then a all the CNN miniseries now. Oh yeah, it's it's, in, it's insane. So I mean, they don't really have much on them except this, you know, threat nobody to democracy. Cares. Let me shit. tell you, well, nobody cares. And let's let's talk about who Trump had as his VP before, Mike Pence. Yeah. Mike Pence was quiet. He stood in the background. He wasn't very loud. He wasn't vocal. Yeah. He was kind of just there. Yeah. He was Ron DeSantis. He had a fly on his head for like an hour. Florida <laughs> is the hottest state in the nation right now, yep. by far. DeSantis is loud. He's opinionated. He's strong in his beliefs. I think Mike Pence scared the shit out of Donald Trump. And I one more electoral vote than last time. Wait, you said, I think Mike Pence scared the shit out of him? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't think that Trump felt that Mike Pence was loud enough, was vocal enough, would defend him, was... Really, really could stand up for himself. I think Trump wants somebody that's basically like Donald Trump, not as polarizing, but will stand up, will punch back, will take the swings, will do what has to be done and stand up. No, there's a reason that that uh, Trump selected Mike Pence out of nowhere in 2016. And it's because it he him. was the exact. What do you mean? He got him elected. And it got him Not the evangelical in- base in the Midwest. There was, he was very calculated. He picked the exact opposite of him. If you recall, I'm going back to 2016. You were probably still in college then. But let me tell you something. He, speci- he could have picked Christie. He could have picked any number of those candidates. Ben Carson. Anyway, he said, let me get the most white bread, middle American, stoic, non-drama like, Are you saying it guy, was a bad choice? Buy, no, I'm saying it was a great choice. I thought it was a great choice. And it's yeah. specifically because he was not a New Yorker Trump like Christie. So what I'm saying is, like, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. In hindsight, 2020, he wants someone a little more bombastic, mm-hmm. hit back. But the whole, like, this is the ironic thing about Mike Pence. He was the most loyal, boot-licking vice president I've ever, like, he was just like, you know, that's my president. Like, he was, stand by your man. And then the ironic part is, you know, now... He wants to hang him at the end. And if you know your presidential history, that's why Nixon chose Agnew, and that's why mm-hmm. Hillary chose. Quick, round the room, who'd she choose? Oh, uh, who's uh, that weird uh, guy? Uh, the guy uh, the eye Tim Cole's Kane. eyes. Tim Tim Kane. Kane. Exactly yeah, right. That guy scared exactly the shit right. out of me. Well, when she selected him, I'm like, who's this loser? He's, that guy he was nothing. scary. His smile, and like, that guy scared the shit but out of me. The, uh, <laughs> the, there's the point. History is making your point. You're right. I agree. The thing that no one wants to talk about here, not here, but like, whether you agree with me or not, all good. Okay. Trump is still toxic. So here's the question. Trump is still toxic. DeSantis is not toxic Adam, to you most disaster, Americans. Adam, you are an absolute exactly. disaster. So if, if you're watching this, I'm actually really curious. Give a thumbs up if you agree with the fact that Trump and DeSantis are going to run together. If you think it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. But if you think it's going to happen, give us a thumbs up. I'm, I'm looking at the numbers right now. I don't know how many people believe that will happen. And I don't believe DeSantis would agree with to that. I don't even think the call. But now, here's the thing you got to realize. When's the last time two people with massive personalities agreed to be the VP and the VP could have beaten the candidate? You know when's the last time that happened? LBJ and John F. Kennedy mm-hmm. couldn't stand each other. And right. John F. Kennedy went to LBJ and said, 
uh, I want you to be my VP. And it's mm-hmm. like, who the hell are you? I'm supposed to tell you I want you to be my VP. Right. This guy's a, you kidding me? You think you Irish family, this, this, that? And then that's how it happened. Mm-hmm. How'd that so, work out for JFK? Well, well, there's a lot of conspiracy. I don't think that we can interview him, but yeah. <laughs> it didn't work out well. I mean, not obviously really. that's the story. But but yeah. but, yeah, but 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 listen, but DeSantis and LBJ are not the same human beings. LBJ is a qualified qualified dirtbag. That is not the case with who uh, mm. DeSantis is. But why, like, complete hypothetical. If you're DeSantis yeah. and you're becoming a trailblazer, right? You you became a superstar, you know, during COVID. You're creating this legacy. Do you actually want your legacy to be tied directly with Trump? Or do you want to be like Trump adjacent? Hey, thanks for all you've done. I'm going to do my own thing. Follow me. I, Keep in mind, Trump is 76 years old. Yeah. DeSantis is 43 years old. Yeah. Does he want his entire legacy tied to Trump, or does he want to carve his own path? I think I think he wants to carve his own I path. I think the time frame, because like DeSantis is hot as hell right now. This mm-hmm. next two years, I still still think he'll be up there because they're still we're still dealing with COVID and shit. And Biden said, and I quote, there's going to be a second pandemic. Not maybe there might be. Joe Biden said, because I think he went off script, we're definitely going to have a second pandemic. And unless that happens, because, you know, DeSantis is the best. DeSantis is like, whatever they're saying, come to Florida. We don't give a shit. And that's one of the reasons that I'm here. But that, but my point being, I think he I think he was, he was, will get on with him and keep that shit going. And then people be like, we love him. They obviously love Trump. And then when Trump is done in four years, we're well, going to deal with it for four years. DeSantis is going to take over. But I'm telling you, he's, he's, when you he's say hot, they, bro. When you say they obviously love Trump, who are you talking the, about? Do the Republicans absolutely well, yeah, worship the Repu- Trump? The, yeah, and DeSantis, Re- right, and then having him being right there, bro, their mentality is going to be like, four years with Trump, and then guess what? Boom, we're going to have another eight with DeSantis. And he's a rock yeah, star. Yeah, if only Republicans are voting, yeah, I agree but, but with I mean, you. <laughs> but there's like a whole other half of the country that you I, still have to win over. First I, of all, I think there's a huge percentage of the population that likes DeSantis and doesn't think he's as toxic as Trump. The, and... Again, I agree with you. Trump is exceptionally toxic, like exceptionally yeah, I toxic. I agree. I and agree. The people want somebody who's going to fight for them and stand up and punch back. And I don't think they want another Mike Pence. I don't think Donald Trump wants another Mike Pence. I don't think he wants a Chris Christie. I don't think there's anybody else in the party that he could pick to run with. He wants a Mike Tyson and a Roy Jones. That's what they want. They want those two running it. And then when Mike Listen, Tyson retires, they're in, have a, in a perfect world, it's all well and good to pick somebody on the policies. But this isn't the world we live in. We live in a world with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and a Democratic left party that it's going to trash everybody, slam you, throw mud, sling mud, throw water. There's no more rolling over and playing dead. That's both parties, though, Tyler. Everyone does that. I, Trump? You don't think Trump I slings think, mud? But Trump, what? but who else? Who yeah. else in the party does? Trump. Trump certainly Trump is does. the only person in the party that anyone's even concerned about. Nobody cares about anyone else other than Trump in the Republican Party. But, and then possibly DeSantis. Okay, but and then if you look at the other side, you have Nancy Pelosi, Kamala, Joe Biden, Gavin Newsom, uh, Adam Schiff. You go down the line; everybody's throwing mud. Everybody's slinging. You don't mud. think you don't think uh, Lindsey Graham is throwing mud? You don't think Jim Jordan is throwing mud? You don't think uh, I think Jim Jordan, what, Marjorie might be, Taylor Green is throwing mud? Well, Come on, Marjorie bro, let's Taylor just be Green real also here. Everyone's doing it. Jewish space lasers. So <laughs> I don't take a lot. Like yeah. I take everything she says with a grain of salt. But no, I well, mean, there's, but there's she's got a voice. Few. Is my point. Yeah. So it's b- politics I, is a dirty business. We learned know. that from Roger Stone. I, I, I don't know if Trump's going to pick him as a VP. Who would you, you think? think no, no. I, I, I think he's going to pick somebody that's a very non, you know, it's going to be somebody you least expect. And it's probably going to be somebody that's not even on the stage. Like not even like a Rubio or somebody like no Rubio he will never, never. take Rubio. <laughs> Rubio is not a he would never take Rubio. And by the way, no. I totally agree with you. Yeah. You have to like. 
I'm not even dissing Trump right here. I think this is a factual statement. The man has a humongous ego. Humongous ego. Yeah. So if you have a DeSantis there waiting in the ring, in the wings, what do you think that does for someone with a massive ego? If he, especially if he's the VP, he's a threat. Paranoia. He want exactly he's paranoia is going to set in. What's he think? We're looking over my shoulder. If you have someone like a Pence, who, but when when Trump was dealing with the worst of the worst stuff, you know, hurricane in Puerto Rico, whatever, any issue, uh, the Charlotte's, whatever issue is facing Pence. Stood there and said, that's my man. I defend him at all costs. That is what Trump wants. And the where Trump, where Pence fell, fell off is at the final day, at the final countdown, when he needed Pence to be like, yeah, no, yeah. you're still the president. Pence said, no. You, Sorry, bro. You lost. you lost, bro. And that was the death of Pence. He needs someone, lo a loyalist till the end. Do you think if uh, Tulsi Gabbard switches sides and she could become... Wouldn't happen. <laughs> he would never. never pick Tulsi. Never? He would never pick Tulsi. No. He, he wants a COO that's not too loud. That's who he wants. He doesn't want somebody that's too loud. He yeah. wants a quiet COO that gets the job done. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's who he's looking for. He'll be outstaged by DeSantis. DeSantis is a rock star. No way. It's, it, even it if it's 1% outstaged, he doesn't want that in yeah. his life. That's he wants him. it to he be about himself. somebody else that's a true believer, that's a flag carrier, that's going to get him to make his job easier. And yep. that, that's, he's, by the way, he's already got a handful of names that he's thinking about. He would never tell anybody who it is, mm -hmm. but he's already got a handful Look of names. Look at the states yeah. that are tipping points. Like what states are up for grabs? Mm -hmm. You know, someplace in the Rust Belt, someplace in the Midwest, whatever's going to be up for grabs. Assuming he runs, whatever, that's where you need oh, to look. Yeah. It's the same four. It's okay. the same four. Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio. It is the All same. Those, exactly. Always. So yeah. look there for where he's. Well, let's move on. Let's move on from this BP. story. Let me, let me tell you guys why CNN keeps losing clout, and I, you know, the the new leader of CNN says, "Well, we're going in a different direction. We're going to start doing reporting." Show the article I just sent you about recession. <laughs> you you tell me how this reads. I just texted it to you. Okay, so you would think like, okay. They're going to talk about recession, and they're going to say different opinions, and they're going to say, well, people disagree, and they, you know, it's going to be a reasonable route. Nope. Look at, look at this title, actually. Zoom in. Who decides if the U.S. is in recession? Eight white economists you've never heard of? What? What? What, what do you mean eight? What does white have to do with recession? And, this is and, you, and you wonder, like, you wonder why people are sick of your games. Just say eight economists you've never heard of before. That that one word white mm -hmm. is why people are sick of you. That one simple word because it's this, that's exactly this division. That's exactly mm -hmm. how you get people angry to think the white people are saying there's a recession. Can you go up a little bit? Go up a little bit. And let's actually read this article to see how it's written. O open it up a little bit. Zoom in a little bit more. Did so they I can say the, the people's names? Prime, yeah, prominent Wall Street uh, uh, economists like uh, Mark Zandi, investing luminaries like Arkin and Caddy Wood and. Uh, Kathy Wood and executives like J.P. Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon can make recession predictions until they're blue in the face, but their guidance will remain just that an econ economic forecast. That's because in the United States, the economy isn't broadly and officially considered to be a recession until a relatively unknown group of eight economists say so. The economists who serve together as business cycle dating committee are hand-selected by the working under umbrella of Na National Bureau of Economic Research, a private nonprofit organization. They are, they are they have no predetermined meeting dates, and their del de deliberations are. I mean, what, what are you what are you saying? And look, so yeah, there's, there's no a, recession unless these guys say so. Yeah, Pat, Pat, that's you, there, that's the one right there. There's a clear lack of racial diversity among the eight members. There, it's race. But CNN. 
Yeah. When it comes down to recession, there is no color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then nobody says, well, in order for us to finalize recession, we need to have one black, one Hispanic, yeah. one Iranian, and somebody quote. from the LGBTQ. <laughs> That's the only way recession is real. Stop playing these yeah. games. No, and if you want to politicize oh it, gosh, none of them will I'm so ridiculous when they do this. Mm-hmm. So ridiculous when they do this. And by the way, keep doing it. Keep doing it. If you forgot why CNN Plus didn't work with $300 million and small little startups like... You know, uh, uh, what's Ben Shapiro's company's name? Daily, Daily Wire. Wire. And you got these other companies that are coming up. They're whooping your ass. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to slow down, by the way. You keep playing games with Americans who just want some information, and you keep trying to say it's division. Right. What a pathetic article right They're there. They're trying to create division. I'm that's, that's a pathetic article right there. I'm 100% agreements with you. 100%. They're playing identity politics. Like, why, why even... Ma- Listen, I don't care if you're blue. I don't care if you're at red. When it comes to the economy, it's all about the green. You're playing identity politics. Exactly. Like, I don't just 10 leading economists, eight leading economists Period. said this. Period. I don't care if they're black, white, yellow, green, Jewish, Catholic. Yeah. Like, give me some Yo, give me some actual substance. What's here. next? The next eight, they're five, eight and under. It's like, yeah. now they're going to talk about height. It's like, bro, relax, bro. That's insane. Nah, it's too much. You see, when you do stuff like that, you so if none of these people say anything. Gas isn't eight bucks a gallon in L.A. Okay, what are your thoughts on this? It says African Americans account for thirteen percent of the U.S. population, but only three percent. Okay, of economists. Well, l- let me. Well, let me ask what's stopping you from becoming well, an economist? Well, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, let's play that right. game. Let's play that game. Sure. Can you can you tell me, uh, uh, white people account for sixty percent of the population, yet only eleven percent of the NBA? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Is the NBA racist? Yeah. Why don't you let white people play there? Uh, America accounts for 24% Hispanic, but the NBA is only 1% Hispanic. What a racist organization. Mm-hmm. I think less than 1%. But, but what I'm trying to say to you is, see, when you, but by the way, a, a comment like that, for people who don't really read, read into it, they're like, oh, that's right. That's bullshit. Deserve to be more black economists. Well, yeah. guess, guess what? Go become an economist. By the way, it is way easier to become an economist than it is to become an NBA player. 1,000%. Just so you know. Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah, they're 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 done, bro. It's like it's I love the analogy stuff. you just gave there because anyone with their head on straight will be like, well, yeah, obviously, because you know they're not like as good as the tall seven foot black guys playing yeah. basketball. Yeah, you just because of your color, your belief, or your belief system, you don't deserve a job. Yeah, it's, the deserve, it's a meritocracy. Attitude. Yeah, yeah I'm one hundred percent with you on pad. It's annoying as hell. It's not going to stop, though, but, but it's not going to stop what they're saying. Can you go to the part about rescinding jobs? Go to that one. Go to the Wall Street Journal article because this is, this is a little weird. This is stuff we've not heard of before. Just take it from uh, the text I sent you. Go back to it and go from there instead of looking for your 75 tabs that you have. That'll take you 18 <laughs> minutes. Just go to the t- text I sent you and just pull that one up because this one is interesting, folks. Uh, where's the article? Let me see where it's at. If I have it even here on my page. Hang on. There you go. Okay. So Wall Street Journal, you don't have the article? No, I don't think he sent it to me. But this this should be it right here. That's the one. More More companies start to rescind job offers. Okay. Go a little closer and go lower to read the first line. Right there. That's the line. Go a little closer. There you go. Companies including Twitter, Redfin, Coinbase, have rescinded offers in the recent weeks. Employees in other pockets of the economy are pulling away offers too, including insurance, retail marketing, consulting, and recruiting services, okay? So, you know, like, by the way, just just out of curiosity, if you're watching this, or even you guys here, 
Tom, you've been around and you follow the economy closely. Yep. When's the last time you heard an article that says companies are rescinding job offers? Hmm. Um, 10 minutes after the crash at the uh, fourth quarter of 2008 is where everybody made the sudden adjustment, right? The money tightened up, everybody pulled job offers. It's been 13 years. To rescind job offers. So, so to the average person that's listening to this, Explain to us what that looks like. What is rescinding job offers? Okay, so you have a company that's got 500 employees, and up at the top, you've got finance people and everything, and they're looking at sales, looking at sales come in, it's a little weak. Meanwhile, down on the third floor, the HR department's trying to recruit people per the plan that they set a month ago, and they're recruiting them. And at the same moment they're recruiting, they're realizing sales numbers are soft, and they're realizing that the economy is tough. So when they yell, stop, Already, there were people that were in that hiring process that were going through, getting their drug tests and everything to get hired, and they're having to call them back saying, hey, I'm really sorry. I just made you a job offer, but we have put a hiring freeze on retroactively, and I have to pull the offer back. So you see what I mean? The statistics and the, the change in the economy, Pat, is happening so fast that as they see sales and they see what's happening to the economy and they're yelling, stop, even as downstairs, was working to hire good people, finding really good people to come in, and they're having to say the people that were about to give two weeks' notice or maybe three weeks' hold it. If you get great people, sometimes they want to give three weeks' notice to a prior job. They're having to go to those people and say, you, oh my God. see if they'll take you back because I have to pull the offer. Can you, can you it's imagine? happening so fast, Pat, that that's what's happening. The rescind is happening because the economy is moving downward fast. I can't imagine saying to somebody like, hey, listen, Pat, I, I, I thank you. I'm going to another company. They're going to be paying me a lot more. I'm giving you my three weeks notice. And then you're like, okay, cool. You know, still kind of some, some tension there. And then I come back. I'm like, listen, Pat, uh, I need you back. <laughs> I have to come back here. Is it Okay. Like if I, if you were you, wouldn't you be like, first of all, no way. And if there was any way that you were gonna come, you know how pissed off that person would be. I'm like, you listen, yeah, for half of what you were gonna get, I'd be a dick. I'd be like, oh, you you just bounce, and I'll that's not what a point. Up. You mean the former company? Hundred percent. Yeah. What is the former company gonna yeah, say? No, like, no, I want. You already took another offer. No, but yeah, but Pat, but I love this job. Come on, like I didn't know they were gonna do that. I didn't know they're gonna rescind. So in other words, always even... leave on good terms. Yeah, and for sure. always leave friendly. Always offer referrals two ways. You never know who you're gonna need. That's insane. I, I, that would be so awkward. Hey guys, we got a new guy, but he's not new. He's back. <laughs> Vinny's back again. That's great. You know or, what I mean? Or Vinny, come back to me, Vinny. You know, in yeah. two weeks since you. Mm-hmm. Gave notice. Yeah, we're also seeing sales down a little bit and everything. And actually, we're we're not going to replace your position. We had already talked about with you leaving. What? Maybe we janitor. I clean the bathroom really good. He's. Do, do you see what could be happening? Yeah, no, for the sure. Other side? Yeah, for sure. That's insane. what are the odds that you probably stayed in the same industry where you knew people and you got a next job with another competitor company? Exactly. And the economy's hitting that Bad. side. They said, Vinny, I'm really sorry. We just figured out we're just not going to replace you. That's insane, bro. That yeah, Z- Zuckerberg also said the same thing, where they're letting people go. Uh, Amid warning plan, uh, meta downsizing, hiring plans. Amid warning of layoffs. Uh, 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 by the way, this is a. Th- I'm going to text you this article if you want to pull this up. It's an Epoch Times article, but they do this stuff that you got to put your email. It takes a while to pull well, that article so up. Didn't Bezos and Zuckerberg yeah, recently just start talking? Here. Zuckerberg, we're turning up the heat at Meta, so employees will quit. Jesus, what? Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> he go really low, said that? Go, little, go zoom in. Facebook parent Meta wants to cut ties with workers who can't meet newly raised performance expectations as a company prepares for an economic downturn. 
Zuck's uh, fr uh, frank admission came during a Q&A session with employees in which he warned that a recent slump in the markets might be one of the worst downturns we've seen in recent history. This is coming from Zuckerberg. Jeez. Realistically, there are probably a bunch of people at the company who shouldn't be here. <laughs> Can you imagine oh, saying what? that to Reuters? What? Like those of you part that of planned my hope, Charles Sandberg's yeah. wedding, you're out. You're part, yeah. part of my hope by raising expectations and having more aggressive goals and just kind of turning up the heat a little bit is that I think some of you might think that this place isn't for you and that self-selection is okay with me. I, I actually love that position he took. Love. Go a little bit higher. Zuckerberg indicated that Meta plans to slow its hiring process, hiring platform engineers, at least by 30%, roughly adding six to 7,000 workers rather than 10,000. It initially expected to hire some roles that are currently empty will stay unfilled as Meta dials up pressure on current employees. You're right. What do you think about that when you hear that? What do you think about it, Adam? I mean, you've said pretty candidly that most companies should fire the bottom 20%, right? I mean, so the good news is if you're in the top 80%, yeah. you can keep your job. You know, they say Warren Buffett has said this before, so have other, you know, great luminaries in the economy. There's one way to be recession-proof or inflation-proof, and that's just to be fucking good at what you do. Exactly. Have a straight-up skill set and be good at it. If you're kind of lollygagging and, you know, just there's a difference between a job and a career. If you're a career and you become a specialist and you're constantly improving and, and, and getting better and showing loyalty to the company and you want to be there, you're not going to get fired. And if you do, you'll find another option. But if you're in the bottom 20%, bottom 40%, you don't really kind of take your job seriously, you know, Again, the individual responsibility. What, what do you expect to happen? You're so right. The top third has nothing to worry about. The middle third maybe get nervous. The bottom third should be terrified. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. Yeah. I mean, you. I don't remember the number you said exactly. I don't know if it was 10%, 20%, 12%, 30%. Th you think the bottom 30% should be fired? I think for every time somebody comes in and says, you know, if a boss comes in and says, these three people deserve a raise. Okay, cool. Sounds good. How much of a raise are we? Like if you're running a real business, mm -hmm. these three people deserve a raise. Fantastic. And you got 100 employees. And by the way, this is going to sound cold, but if you've never ran a business, you haven't operated, no problem. You can have your opinion. Go operate a business, and then you'll see what it's like when you have to hit margins and expenses and all these other things you deal with. Amen. If you come and say, hey, we got to give these three people a raise, and we got to hire three more people. That's a great. I think that's a great plan. So tell me, which one or two people do we have to let go? Wow. What do you mean? Well, you just came to me asking me to hire three more people, right? Okay. And you told me to increase the so revenues. Right. If if it doesn't match the revenue that we're growing, mm -hmm. if you ask me to get more employees, but the revenues increase isn't at that pace or not higher, then you have to also come up to me and say, "Here's the two people I also recommend we move on with." Wow. Okay. Cool. No problem. So this is what it should sound like. A real manager should come up and say, "Hey, Tom." Uh, I got Adam. I think deserves a raise. He's crushed the last two quarters. I think we need to bump him up from 80 to 92. And then I think Tyler's crushed it. And I think we need to increase Tyler as well. And I think we need to hire three new people, uh, one engineer, one BI analyst, and one processor. And this is what we need to do. And then at the same time, uh, this person that we have in this department who's an engineer, I think is not the best. Called in six, seven times in the last four months. And is usually late. And the attitude isn't necessarily there. And we've asked him up and we've sent him emails a couple of times, written him up. I think we need to let him go. And this other person that's working over here as a processor, I don't think they like their job and they complain to everybody and they're very negative. 
So I think we need to also let those people go. You approach your boss that way, the boss is going to be like, oh, okay, <laughs> give those guys the raise and hire those three people. You know what I would it's say very, to you, Pat? Yeah. You know what I'd say to you? Uh, it's probably you'd say, I would say, hey, Pat, thank you very much for that. Um, obviously, you follow the NBA and you know they have a salary cap and most sports now have salary caps. I really appreciate the way you're managing this with the salary cap. You're trying to put the best team on the field with the salary cap. And you're going to pay some stars and you're going to cut some players because you stay with the salary cap during this economic downturn. You're going to get a bonus at the end of the year. Thank you for thinking that way because that's the way I have to think, Pat, with a salary cap every day. And then Pat goes up to me and goes, now you're gone because <laughs> yeah. he gets the bonus. No, get like, the hell out of here, kid. I like what you did there with the NBA analogy salary cap because it's – if the salary cap is – you know, hundred million dollars a year. Make up a number, ten million dollars, whatever it is. That's your number. That's so exactly if you want right. to hire more people and give people more raises, somebody's got to let go. Now in the NBA, you might say, "Well, there's a luxury tax." No, so there, that's there is no luxury tax. That's in my business. point. Exactly. Called, you're losing money and you can't. There do you it. go. By the way, it's but, a hard. It's back in the old days. What they call it, the hard cap. Mm-hmm. Hard cap. Can, can, but can you imagine how many people complain about the NBA when they fire the bottom who are not performing? And they go hire the top who are performing. Who right. complains in the NBA? Nobody. Nobody. Not, but God forbid. Yeah. Yeah, God forbid yeah. you do. What do you think is the difference? Both of them are businesses. Exactly. exactly. The Both of them are businesses. The man just had uh, 2.7 turnovers and, uh, yeah. he, and, a, and a technical foul. It's like, well, yeah. we got to yeah. let him go. And, Let's and get by, someone else. Way, not only that, how come Haslam never gets fired? How come Haslam has Great a job? Great attitude, shows because up to work the every day. shows up to work Leadership. on time, Hustle. sitting there talking yeah. to the young guy saying, exactly. listen, drop those three girls, be careful getting yes. that one pregnant, hero didn't listen, and you got a couple other people that are yeah. going through this, but mm-hmm. you're having that conversation with the people, yeah. right? Okay, He's go. a player coach. He's he, a player coach. Exactly. You stay on the team. You were going to say something. Yeah, I just I wonder, on that point, if there's a layer deeper to this that you see uh, Facebook, this is a little old, but Facebook's their their users decline. Okay, you're seeing Elon Musk buying Twitter, cleaning people out. People were revolting. He fired the people at SpaceX who spoke out against him. Um, you're seeing Jeff Bezos have his spats with uh, the the administration. I wonder if these business owners are starting to get sick and tired of the inmates running the asylum. And this is a convenient excuse. I wonder if they're starting to push back and say, listen, this is my company. Yep. I'm tired of the culture. I'm tired of the toddlers and babysitting all day. We're going to clean house. We're going to make this work. You're affecting my bottom line, and I'm sick of it. By the way, um, Good point. say that's it. I support it. Go for it. Yeah. I support it. Because sometimes, at uh, 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 one time, it's 2013, 2014. I am afraid of losing my entire company. I, as the founder CEO, I am scared. I'm having panic and anxiety attacks every night because the business is about to go from what it is to losing 100% of people. Hmm. And I'm leading through fear and I'm walking on eggshells. So I'm afraid to challenge my guys too much because they may leave me. And I'm afraid to set my standards and they're now telling me how to lead. They're telling me that you should do this, you should do that, you should do this. So what happens for a year and a half? Talk to Jennifer and you'll see. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, yeah, hey, so you guys are awesome. Also, you guys are great. Oh my God, no, no. And one, I'm like, be cool. I'm so sick of your, like, stop. You're a leader. Go back to leading. If they don't want to do anything, no problem, but you're going to find the right guys. I turn turn up the heat, switch. My work ethic is the same. It's not like I'm not working, but I raise standards to this level. Couple of them didn't like that couple of them were okay with that and couple people who were not players went to levels that we never thought they were going to go to 
the company took off. Right. But sometimes a Zuck or a Dorsey or anybody will go through the fear of, man, what if we lose that guy? What if we lose this guy? What if we lose that guy? You know, sometimes, like, even when you're creating content, sometimes you're like, man, I, I can't say that because if I say that, what if we never interviewed that guy? Yeah, I can't say, oh, because we need that guy. Oh, what we need? Be respectful. Give your thoughts. Don't play games. Don't manipulate. Don't be divisive. You know, straight up show up. Do your best to constantly improve. Realize you don't walk on water. And then all of a sudden, you're looking around, you're saying, Michael, we got some great people around us. Mm-hmm. We have a very good environment here. People are having fun. People are working. And those who don't want to work hard and those who don't want to have fun and those who, this is not the place for you. And that's totally fine. Yep. And if Zuck is going through that, guess what I say to him? Salute. Good job. Good for you. Good for you for standing up on what's not working out. What is this? Netflix Netflix alters corporate culture memo to stress the importance of artistic freedom. This, it's a little older, but it's you remember when Netflix did this uh-huh. a couple months ago. They yeah. said, listen. If you don't like the content, too damn bad. Go yeah. fuck, go somewhere else. Yeah, we're well, gonna make it took a, company. a while. Yeah, it took a while until they yeah. did that. It cost them how many users? Yeah. It cost them all. Remember that one day when their stock dropped like forty yeah. percent? Everybody mm-hmm. and their mothers was yeah. talking yep. about that. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, they realized leadership is hard. Yep. You, you, you listen. You don't like it? Go elsewhere. And it only took a fifty billion dollar drop mm. to be like, oh shit, being woke and and pandering to everybody's like, bro, yeah. as a comedian, Pat. I go. I don't. I'm not saying I don't give a shit about people's feelings, but it's my experience, my idea, and I. I think there's been a big lack of. This is my opinion. What I say isn't factual. You don't have to fact check everything a human being says. This is what I think. You could think a certain way. Adam has a certain way. I'm in front of an audience. This is your audience. I'm a comedian. I'm. I'm writing sketches. I'm shooting shit. It's. This is my idea of what funny is, and this is what interesting. If you don't like it. Change the channel. Don't change the goddamn company right. because you don't. You think a certain little group isn't gonna like it. Yeah, but it. you're funny as hell, bro. Uh-huh. Let, me, let, me, let me let me tell you. There's certain people like that uh, want to be funny and are not funny, mm-hmm. and there's certain people that don't care to be funny but are very funny. There's certain people that want to be NBA players but they suck at basketball. There's certain people that want to be models but listen, you ain't got to be a model. You know, certain people that want to be bodybuilders but you don't have the body to be a bodybuilder. You're a comedian, yeah. okay? And it's very natural, and it's nonstop from the beginning to the end, and it's proven it. So, so by the way, a shout-out to Vitamin Comedy. If you haven't subscribed, go subscribe. His latest one that you did, I was watching it the other night. Was it the Mafia one? The, not the Mafia one. The one oh, the, with the stabbing. My friend Buck. Yeah. And yeah. like, oh, oh, and then the music comes on, <laughs> the epic music, and then he's like, bro, I'm not going to lie. It's not doing anything to me. Can you do it one more time? Oh, my God. Let me do it one more time. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's on Value Tainment Comedy. Please subscribe. And we are gonna we just shot another sketch. I don't know if you were here, Pat, on Friday. Here's what it's I hilarious. got. hilarious. Let me tell you what I got. I'm out elsewhere. I don't know where I was at, but I'm out elsewhere, and I get a text saying, guys, we have we have Vinny walking around the office in a G-string. I said, no way. Like, no, no, he is. <laughs> Actually, I think it wasn't even for a sketch. No, That's no, just no, Pat, that I, I, wasn't a sketch. It was G String Friday. Tom, you weren't. I thought you it was emails. I thought it was. Yeah. it was Asla's challenge. Because I have some. Tom other, looked great. I have G-string. some other caps. I'm <laughs> yeah. right there with you. But that's oh, the type yeah. of like, oh, Pat, you made my point exactly. I'm I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be funny. I want to be different. I mean, that character, you guys are going to see sooner or later. But like like I said, you don't bow down to anybody mm-hmm. when it comes to your art and your job and your talent. Well, period. Shout yeah. out to yeah. Vinny and VT Comedy. Subscribe. But by right. the way, back to the Netflix, the, the lead into the story, that was at the height of the Dave Chappelle that was it. transgender yep. comedy yeah. yep. fiasco when Chappelle's like, look, I'm not 
And, and by the way, I'm Chappelle. I'm going to yeah. keep doing what I'm doing. I'm if you're upset with it at Netflix, you know, kick rocks. Exactly. Exactly right. And Dave Chappelle was just exhibiting his comedic genius and artistic freedom. Mm-hmm. This was not the Michael Richards meltdown that happened at the exactly. comedy club. At the Laugh he, Factory. Where he took, uh, Laugh Factory, where he took yeah. leave of his senses and exposed a lot of deep biases and it's wrong. Yeah. That was not entertainment. And they, the woke wants to make all of it the same thing, but it's not. It's comedy. America needs a laugh. It's artistic expression. Mm-hmm. It's freedom of speech. And if you don't like that comedy, turn the channel. Exactly. Turn the channel. I agree 100%. But uh, by the way, do we want to at all take the risk and touch a sports story? Do we oh want? no, I don't know, Pat. I don't remember. Do audience can handle the risk a sports and story. Touch a sports story. Let's do it. All right. All right. Let's, let's go do the Kevin it. Durant story here. Kevin Durant is requesting yeah. trades, and uh, Durant uh, trade from Nets, and reportedly half the league called within an hour. Uh, Durant may have uh, set off the biggest trade sweepstakes in NBA history. Durant on Thursday requested a trade from Brooklyn Nets, according to multiple reports. At 34 years old, Durant is still in MVP form, coming off a season in which he averaged 30.7 rebounds, 6 assists a game. He also has four years and about $200 million left on the contract. Adrian uh, Wojnarowski on uh, NBA Today uh, said that uh, more than half the NBA has already called the Nets. There are There was certainly a lot of back-channeling back going on around the league to suggest that Kevin Durant was planning to ask for a trade at some point, and it happened today. And now I'm being told that since the reporting here in the last hour, half the league has reached out to him, et cetera, et cetera. So what do you think is going to end up, and what's going to happen with Kyrie and these guys? Yeah, you, I mean, you're following some of this. Yeah, of course. Um, well, just newsflash to our friends in Brooklyn, you can't buy a championship. This is the second time they've tried to do this. Yep. They did this, I don't know, 10 years ago with KG, KG Kevin yeah. Garnett, Paul Pierce, that crew. Mm-hmm. Didn't work Nothing. Out. They tried to do it again with Kevin Durant uh, and Kyrie and Harden. Didn't work out. I mean, we learned that lesson back in 2004 with the Lakers yeah. when they had Shaq and Kobe and Gary Payton and Carmelo try to buy a championship. It's not the team with the best players. Look at Boston. It's You're right. The, Bo- you talked about this, the, Adam. It's the team, uh, yeah. the, the players that play best. So maybe team. let me ask the question in a different yeah. way. So, okay, most likely Durant's going to where? They're saying it's gonna go to, he's going to go to Miami Golden State. Miami or Phoenix. We'll see. Okay. No, so no, not Golden State. You don't think he's going to go to no, Golden no, State? No, no. Tell Unlike, me why you don't think he's going to go to Golden State. Uh, Tom's, uh, Tom's analogy, the salary cap. I mean, they're going to have to trade. Three people. Yeah. At least I, I don't see him going back there. Okay. Like, so you don't return back by the, to. By the way, FYI, if Golden State traded Wiggins and they gave a few pieces to get him, I think it's a mistake if they do that. I think Wiggins works very well with his attitude and his. He's like Wiggins is a better version of what AI was. Andre Iguodala. Oh, gotcha. I think I he you, is. You, I you no, no, no. Iverson, he's yes. playing that yeah, role yeah, very well as a number four, and it's perfect. You don't break up a team after you win. Dude, a championship. don't even That's touch it. Don't do. even touch it. No. If he goes to Miami, who has to leave? Oh, they'll trade whoever they want other than J- Jimmy Butler. That's the only person that's untouchable. I, I think and if bam. they trade Jimmy, he won't go. I no, think no, it, no. It'd be it'd be a cornerstone of Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Kevin Durant. And if he goes and to Phoenix, else he, they're going to trade what? They're going to trade uh, Booker for Every, him? No, 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 no. They're, Booker's untouchable. So is DeAndre Ayton. Everyone but else they is But they trade Chris Paul. Everyone else is expendable. Except yeah. for DeAndre and except for Booker. Yeah. I actually can see that working out. Mm-hmm. I can see that working out. Yeah. And, and I, I did, the thing with Durant, without going too sportsy here, and I'm trying to make this like a business analogy, it's... You touched on this earlier, legacy, legacy. Durant, arguably, is right neck and neck with the LeBron. Right neck and neck, right? But legacy-wise, do you think Durant's legacy will be anywhere near LeBron's? No, no way. Not no at way. all. Not the same And why people. do you think that is? Lebr- LeBron went and won. Uh, he, listen, 
First of all, the guy won. Okay, Miami, you won those championships. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Wade was the leader. Fine. Fine. No problem. Then you go to Cleveland, you're the leader, and you yep. won. Okay, great. Then you go to the Lakers, and you win during COVID, whatever. Say three and a half championships he's got. But you win. You got, you got the championships. Mm-hmm. Durant went to Golden State, who had already won, and you won. Yep. Now, Kerr, Steph Curry and all those guys st- still try to give him credit. Oh, my gosh, he did this, he did that. They're playing the very clean yep. game that they're doing. No, but Durant's legacy is he's listen, he's a top ten player of all time. He's not gonna make he's not gonna make it in the top five the way he's playing. And he could have easily made it into top five. His argument could have been a top five. His decision making mm-hmm. process. Decision and injuries is not a like, decision. Let me ask you, Pat, Well, and also he's never done this before. There's a lot of what do you mean? players out there. Well, Durant usually you said it. He sticks around to win a championship. He's got some loyalty there. No, he doesn't. You don't think so? Zero. No. Listen, they're playing against Golden State. He's at OKC. He's with Westbrook. They're up 3-2. They're about to beat them. They probably would have won the championship that year. And they end up coming back, and they beat them 4-3. And you're this close. You could have won it with Westbrook. Then you leave and go to the team that beats you? Mm-hmm. No, bro. Yeah, that that's was great the memory, day where it's way. over. Yeah, That was the day when it was over where Durant is like, you're joining the guys that, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So, look, I mean, listen, the NBA is going to try to go out there and get this guy. And uh, uh, I think Booker is probably going to play with this guy or Jimmy's going to want to play with this guy. But Booker is, uh, for me, when I look at what's going on with the NBA, like, this is why I like Milwaukee Bucks. Because yeah. I like Giannis. And I like the fact that they're going up there with a Giannis, Middleton. Guys, you're like, who are these guys? They built and these guys. They built these guys. I mm-hmm. like Golden State. I love what Boston does. I hope Boston doesn't touch and screw that thing up. Don't touch it. Mm-hmm. I think they're about to win. And I actually like what Miami has done. Just bring a couple other pieces. Now, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. As a Miami guy yourself, you probably wouldn't mind Durant coming to Miami. You're going to yeah. be like, you'll take him in a heartbeat. I but- agree. But I, the, the story that cause just because I came from New York this past weekend and I actually visited Brooklyn, something's going on there. Really? Some, I mean, why does KD want to get out of Brooklyn? Why did Harden want to get out of Brooklyn? They just brought in the guy uh, Simmons. Mm-hmm. There's something toxic going on there in Brooklyn. I don't know. But they're not as toxic as the Knicks. We know that. Don't ever talk no, about no, it. First of all, toxic is a byproduct of a lack of leadership. None of those right. three are leaders. Not Durant, not Kyrie, not Harden. None of them are leaders. But I'm worried about so. the leadership at the top. The owner, Chinese guy. Blame. It's easy to blame situations like that. Going back to your point, what you said, you still got to lead and you got to go perform. Okay, there is no leadership between those three guys. Mm-hmm. They're just talents. What made not, you pick this sports story? That you want I don't know. He put it on you. I'm like, let's talk about it. So mm-hmm. okay, let's talk about Rachel Maddow to make you happy because I know you're a big Maddow <laughs> fan. Oh yeah. So here's right. Maddow. Maddow's story on what happened with. Isn't Maddow supposed to be like their superstar? Isn't Maddow like MSNBC I, superstar? Yes. Tyler, would you say yes or no? Like that's their superstar. Yeah, that's, that's, never that's watched MSNBC. MSNBC replacing Maddow would previously cancel Alex Wagner, Puzzles Insiders, no inst- institutional memory. MSMC Alex Wagner has Rachel Maddow's time slot replacement for four days a week. The network's biggest star is not on the air, but insiders have questioned why executives would attempt to replace Maddow with a previously canceled host who never moved the needle on television. MSMC finished the second quarter of 2022 with its smallest audience amongst 
advertisement demographic of adults ages 25 to 54 since 2003. MSNBC's nearly two-decade low in the critical category came during a jam-packed stretch of news that included Russia's ongoing invasion of Ukraine, the Uvalde, Texas school shooting, and the beginning of the January 6th committee hearings. The second quarter also featured Maddow scaling back her workload to once a week as she began hosting the Rachel Maddow show only on Monday nights last month. NBC selected Wagner as a former NBC, MSNBC host to replace Maddow with a new program at 9 p.m. Eastern, Eastern, Eastern Time slot Tuesdays through Friday beginning in August. What do you think MSNBC is going through right now, when Tyler? You, when you, what is this oh, all about? I, as Adam said, I don't pay much attention to MSNBC, but they're they're. I think everybody's trying to redirect, man. They see Tucker Carlson has the leading audience across cable television, not just in Republicans and Democrats as well. And they understand that people have their numbers. CNN, MSNBC, all those outlets, they're trying to revamp and redirect themselves. I think MSNBC is tired of being the crazy Joy Reid, Rachel Maddow network, and they want to do something different. Now, I'd like to give Rachel Maddow some credit. We saw the other day, uh, we played the clip about her you know, saying Trump never cited this insurrection. So credit where credit is due. But I think... I think people want to get more of the Jake Tapper vibe where, yes, you may be opinionated, but at least you're rational, coherent. You can make an argument. You can fault your own side, et cetera, et cetera. You're not an activist. You're just reporting the news. Yeah, you have your biases, which we all do. But like right there, Pat, when they said the two-decade low happened during a jam-packed stretch of Ukraine uh, uh, and the beginning of the January 6th committee, nobody wants to hear that shit, bro. Nobody... it's just too much. It's like, you know, threat to democracy. I don't know how many times I heard threat to democracy over and over. And like people are just tired of well, it. Well, and don't forget, they're the same people that told you there was Russian collusion. Of course, exactly. That's, why, that's where I was going. Yeah, that's my point. People know that they hired the former producer from ABC News to literally produce the first week of this trial. They they know it's a it's a show trial. Tom, what do you think is going on here? I, I think MSNBC has got to find itself. And there's, there's two thoughts that are in the mind of leadership and that they can't reconcile. One is... They honestly feel they are a liberal position network. They feel they are equal time. That's what they feel. And that's why they filled it with Rachel Maddow, who became a hit, and so many things with it. The other side of it, they're looking at the reality of Tucker Carlson, the reality of moderates, the reality of ratings, and they're also looking at the reality of corporate ownership, and they are trapped. They're trapped between the identity of what they feel MSNBC is and the ratings and the need for commercial decisions and they're stuck in the middle and you're seeing them trying, you know, uh, trying to do it, trying to put together talent. Who's the right person for MSNBC right now? Like, if MSNBC was to go out there and get somebody, who would be a good person well, for I think, MSNBC I right I think now? the problem that MSC is having is those right people have already left. Um, who am I talking about? Brian Williams, I thought, was an absolute stud. Gone. Do you remember his, uh, what, he, what he wrote? Yeah, of course. He said, this is not what I signed up for, basically. Yeah. That's exactly right. I, That's I was a big Brian Williams fan. I was also a fan of, uh, what was his name, Chris Matthews. Been on the air forever, and he got caught up in the Me Too scandal, what happened, what happened with him. Um MSNBC, much like CNN, jumped on the anti-Trump train. Now that the train is off the tracks, what's your story now? You're not going to just start defending Biden. So they went all in on the anti-Trump, you know, campaign. Trump's gone. You quote unquote won. You remember Don on CNN, but Don Lemon cried. I don't care what it was. Yeah, we won. Okay, now what? Now, I mean, you got to still be journalists and tell the news and tell the stories Uh and the facts. And the facts aren't pretty right now. Do you know sauce talks money? Zero uh, sarcasm here. Do you know SauceCast? When you do SauceCast, you have more viewers than Don Lemon does. <laughs> seriously? No, no. That's why why are you no, laughing? Seriously. You have 
the same amount of viewers as Don Lemon does. Hmm. All right. Think about that. That's... When you're doing a YouTube live, you're getting the same amount of viewers as a Don Lemon is getting. Wow. Mm-hmm. How are they selling advertisement on Don Lemon's know. show? How are they selling it? Like, what are you telling people to do? Yeah. Are you like, who is watching that show in the first place with Don Lemon? So, anyways, if I'm MSNBC, if I'm any of these big guys, you got to go be heavy duty recruiting today mm-hmm. and bring a new vision in that's exciting. And you really got to fire the bottom 30% of people that are hurting these numbers and show the marketplace that you're MSNBC. Everybody knows your brand, but you're take, you've taken the wrong angle. Again, peddling, trying to you know uh, please everybody and you're trying to make everybody happy. Didn't work out. Maybe a new strategy is a good place to yeah. start right now. Well, because if they keep going the way they're going right now, they're going to get crushed even more. Well, there's a case study for you and it's CNN. <clears throat> bring in Jeff Zucker. So you bring in Jeff Zucker. He strategically built exactly what he wanted to build, and he was not uh, inhibited in any way. <clears throat> now he screwed himself up with the whole affair thing and the thing that went over the yeah. you know that the marketing because that was a lack of integrity. But what he built was what he said he would build. It just didn't sell. The product didn't sell. You're talking about CNN, correct? Plus. Yeah. And CNN Plus. So you need to start at the top. You need to bring someone in and set the strategy and go. And if America doesn't like that product, they're not going to watch it. But that's where it's got to go. It's not going to be. Could we pay Tucker Carlson a trillion dollars to come across the street and say we're going to do it? You, you don't start it at that level. You have to do it the way CNN did and bring in leadership to set strategy oh, yeah. and to put it there. And if America doesn't like what's there, as they didn't like it with Jeff, then his affair and everything becomes an excuse to also put a nail on him. Well, CNN, they, CNN and MSNBC should pray to God that Trump wins, so they'll have they could go back to the talking <laughs> show. Right, Trump. then they'll get their I'm viewers. Dead, that's a good point. I'm dead serious. That's a really good point. They, very good they point. better pray to God that he wins again, so they could be like, "All right, the Trump train's back on the fucking track, mm-hmm. and let's just." Bash him every day. Oh, insurrection. That's all they're going to do, bro. So everybody that's there better pray to God because that's what Mark mm-hmm. Zucker had. It was the Trump show and all those undercover Project mm-hmm. Veritas videos. Those guys are like, bro, that's all they told us to do was Trump, 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 Trump. Bro, right. it worked. Well, it worked. You're, I, by the way, you're 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 not wrong uh, at all. And, you know, like Jeff Zucker. Orange was, will be the new green. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's, that's true. Jeff Zucker was, you know, famous for stirring up controversy. Like, he's the guy that said, oh, Trump's about to speak in about a half hour. Just keep the cameras rolling on the empty podium for a half hour. Yeah. You've seen this. Just yeah, like, it works. Trump's about to say, and just Brilliant. like, okay, what's happening right now? Another thing these legacy media companies need to embrace is the fact that their demographic is getting older and grayer and, uh, you know, won't be here around much longer. You kind of got to tap into the, the the younger generation on YouTube. You brought up the fact that Soscast is getting as many views as Don Lemon. All right. Respect. But it's 10 times more entertaining. And thank you, not, sir. It's not even close. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. But the um, you got to cast a wider net. So I guess what I'm seeing with these with MS teams of the world, are you, like the riches are in the niches. But if you're too niche, like if you're too pigeonholed into pigeonholed one, into, like you're not going to. Um, convert. You're not looking at, you're not converting anybody. Yeah. Tucker, you know, he's got his base, but there's also some people he's converting saying, you know, I didn't like this guy. I didn't like Fox News, but this guy's got a point. Yeah. So uh, that's the challenge that can they're you, having. Can you right pull now. up the story I just sent you? Pull up the story I just texted you 
uh, a minute ago about Newsom tweet about Florida. So here's what Newsom said about Florida. Uh, Gavin Newsom goes on the air against Ron DeSantis as political rivalry grows. So if you want to go a little lower, so I wonder why he's doing this. Mm, weird. Go a little closer. Let's read this a little bit more. Zoom a little bit more. Newsom and DeSantis aren't just avatars for the different futures of the parties, but also for the separate realities blue and red Americans are living in. Two people opposing viewpoints are looking at the same exact set of facts and coming to vastly different conclusions. They are both governors. Uh, So go to what he said about Florida. I want to read what he said about Florida. I think it was on Twitter or something like that, what he said about Florida. Okay, there you go. It's Independence Day. So let's talk about what's going on in America, Newsom says. Uh, in the ad, standing in the California sun, tireless as Americans, the beautiful fingerprint in the background, American is under attack in your state. Those uh, last words flash across the screen in red, followed by uh, DeSantis shaking hands with former President Donald Trump and another of the floor, Florida governor as Newsom ticks through uh, uh, Florida laws to ban books and restrict voting speech and access to abortion. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California where we will still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom to imprate, freedom to love, Newsom says, as all images proceed of an aerial shot of Santa Monica Pier to show rainbow red flags, uh, flags waving in the hands of two women in arms uh, around each other. Don't let them take your freedom. The ad is paid for by Newsom re-election campaign <laughs> through this clearly da-da-da-da-da. He's running for president, Newsom told CNN last week. I care about people. I don't like people being treated as less of them. I don't like people being told they're not worthy. I don't like people being used as political pawns. That's because you never do that, buddy. Yeah, never. This is not just oh, about no. him, and never but he's a poster child of it. We're as different, Newsom said, as daylight and darkness. Over the course of 20-minute phone interview, Newsom called DeSantis bully, a fraud, and authoritarian, a fake conservative, a betrayer of Ronald Reagan's legacy several times, DeSantos. Everybody got portions of the playbook, Newsom said, comparing DeSantis to other Republicans. He's writing it. Gavin Newsom might as well uh, light a pile of cash on fire, DeSantis campaign spokesperson David Bram said. Pass the popcorn for his desperate attempt to win back the California refugees who fled the uh, hellhole he created in the state to Florida. Okay, so here's the thing mm-hmm. about what he's doing. We get it. He's running. Okay? Yeah. And we get it. They think... Florida's running. Now, here's the thing. DeSantis is running. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you're part of the LGBTQ community, okay, if you are, where are you better off, Florida or California? Florida. What do you think? I'm actually curious. What Zero clue. I don't know. I'm not part of that community. You were hanging out with them. That's what I'm asking. I, mean, yeah, I know you, them. I, you were, you were them, in pride. York. Like, <laughs> I don't make my decisions so based on where, what's good where, for where, them. Where, but actually think about it. I don't know. Think about where are they going to be better off, in Florida or California? Well, let me ask the question a different way. Where are you better off if you're running a business, Florida or California? Florida. Florida. Okay. Where are you better if you can't stand wearing a mask? You know, Florida. Or, Florida. Okay. Where are you better if you are part of the LGBTQ community? I, I would say California because they're very. It's what is Florida doing to actively discriminate against LGBTQ? That's exactly where I'm. Nothing. Well, I, I don't Florida, feel the whole knock. It. You've seen the thing. Yeah. Don't say gay. Right. Don't That's, say gay. I mean, that, again, don't say but, gay. But, but That's the, the, the whole but, thing. But by the way, by the way, when you poach, which is what he's doing, and what DeSantis is doing, this is a poaching game. Okay, when you're poaching, who's DeSantis poaching? Californians. Business owners. Correct. Yeah, come here and open up. Yeah, listen, come over here. Business owners who are independent and responsible. You and me. Yeah. (laughs) Who is Newsom trying to poach? People that that are just leaving the state. 
Just so, no, but, but I'm actually that. being very serious. Who is he trying to poach? Who's he trying? So he's he's targeting LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Fine, that's the community you want to put. What else, what other community? So do you think his argument for business owners leaving Florida to California? How many business owners do you think will leave Florida to go to California after that speech? Yeah, uh, let me think. Zero. 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 No, no, but I'm being serious. I don't Who, think any. How can you poach them? Is he gonna poach guys that don't like high taxes? Is he gonna poach guys that are willing to go out there and start a business? And you know, is he gonna poach those guys? He's not. No. So his campaign, who you think is gonna watch that and be inspired to want to come to your state? He's recruiting victims. None of the people you want. So guess what, Bingo. DeSantis? If you're recruiting victims, and if I am DeSantis, Newsom. and Newsom says this, if Newsom said that, if I'm DeSantis, I say go, go to California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My campaign would be very simple. If you like high taxes, if you like a ton of entitlement programs, if you like to be forced to take the vaccine, if you like to be forced to put on the mask, no. if you want to, I have a great state for you to move to. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, California. California. If you like the worst yeah. homelessness in F- the nation. FYI, FYI, if I'm the, the, the leader of the Republican Party, okay. the conservative party right now, and I'm not talking about like, I'm talking about strategists behind closed doors. Yeah, the campaign people. Guess what I'm doing? I'm getting all the state governors together, and I'm saying, guys, what's the one state you're never going to win, and it doesn't matter anyways? California. California. Why don't you send everybody (laughs) one-way Greyhound tickets straight to California, and let's fund it? Mm -hmm. You know what that does? That locks in your state, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's sell California as the state to move if you're the following category. That's brilliant. Go Go for it. And you start driving it. Hey, listen, you feel like that? You should move to California. 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 Yeah. And, and business owners going to be like, but if you're this, 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 you should move to Florida. You should move to Tennessee. Yeah. You should move to Texas. You should move right. to this. You should, yeah. So I'm one of those people, too. As I was reading that, being a the, person that just moved yeah. here from California, Pat, I'm sorry, but I'm going back. You? He sold me right there. You're, resen- I, you're rescinding? I'm rescinding. <laughs> I'm rescinding the offer. You know what? Take that offer. You know where you can Go stick back. it. I'm going back yep. because you nailed yeah. it, too. I want the homelessness. I want the taxes. I want, because, you know, an the second pandemic is coming, and trust me, if you want to be in a fucking place that stays to what you know Fauci and them say, I'm going back to Florida well, and mm-hmm. back to Cali. So, uh, by the way, I would love, 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 love to see a Newsom DeSantis uh, presidential election. I would love that. <clears throat> by the way, I, just, I, I would love to get the Biden Trump situation. Yeah, let's close that Pass. chapter. Let's let some forty and fifty year olds. I debate. love that, and let the market I decide. That. I love that. Let the market decide. Who do you think? Would, be honest. Who do you think? I think the, that uh, DeSantis would be the favorite. I think so too. And I'd love to see that. Let's get some new ideas. Mm-hmm. Get some fresh ideas. Bring your California. Bring your yeah. Florida stuff. Yeah. And let let's have a real intellectual you, debate. You guys should have seen. But when I was in when I was in Cali when the new the Newsom recall was going on, I've never seen that many people out loud at the gas station and shit be like. Just pissed off. They're just angry. They were just like, we had to get this, you know, guy mm-hmm. the hell out of there. And I think Larry Elders was like, like, no, they still lost. I mean, he by a landslide. By a landslide. But people that were scared to talk were coming out and just openly saying, like, mm-hmm. dude, what the hell are these? But that again, going back to my point, that is the most loyal party. The 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 the, the left oh in Cali, God. I would be they go down everybody to California. Hundred percent. I would be. I would. I would do this. I would do a press conference and I would say, Governor Newsom. Uh, I'd like to, uh, at no cost to your state at all. You don't need to pay me a salary. I'm not going to take money away from your tax revenues that you're bringing in. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Consider me 
your chief recruiting officer. Okay, <laughs> exactly. And here's what I'd like to say to and who, folks. Who are, you, who, are you, who are you saying this at? I'm saying this to Newsom. Okay, okay. And if you if you if you're the following, and I'm gonna go through it. If you like this, if you like this, I highly, <laughs> highly recommend you move to California. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend <laughs> yeah. go there if you like these following things. Um, anyways, I don't, listen. If people in California, like you know how you're saying. You just said right now, I was in a gas station, I was in this, I was in that, I was in this, I was in that. Like, oh my God. You know, everybody wanted this guy out. Not really. Not in California. They did not. Okay. The people that, the core, core people that live in California don't want this guy out. The part when I said on World Star, when Biden put that up and 99% of all the people trashed him, that's America to me. Okay. Believe it or not, to me, that's more America than what California thinks because that to me is not America. That's California. California is like France. It's all, yeah, it's its own, yeah, it's, it's own country. Yeah. You know, there's a game behind the game here to step back from this to look at what Newsom's trying to do. Here's a game. Where is the money for the presidential elections? Is it in the individual campaigns or is it a DNC? It's a DNC because when you win the primary, the DNC has got the big treasure chest and they drive that hard. But the DNC also controls the green lighting system of whether you're allowed to primary a sitting president in your own party. Right now, they need the midterm election to be done and it's going to be bad. They need Q3 economic. It's going to be bad. They need the Q4 economic report. And it's probably going to be bad. With those three items, Pat, mark my words, the DNC will suddenly, subtly allow formal primary activities against Biden. Right now, the DNC will not permit it. They will not permit you to go up against a sitting president. What Newsom is doing is he's testing because he's going to test this and they're going to run all those phone calls. If you've ever taken a political phone call. Did you see recently uh, so-and-so said so-and-so? Yeah, well, how did you think about that? How did, And they ask you, they're going to be testing this to see how this campaign speech, this stump speech that he just did, worked against DeSantis. And they're going to be making the case, hey, listen, we're the only viable candidate. Kamala Harris, not her. Nope. We're the viable candidate. You need to be behind us. You need to allow the green lighting process to happen. You need to allow me to start doing you know, primary work in earnest. And when the DNC behind closed doors subtly says, okay, Gavin, you can um, you can start preparing primary. Bash against That's me. when it will happen. Have you ever noticed that all of a sudden you go from speculative Iowa candidates to suddenly there would be there would be actually validated Iowa candidates in both political parties. That's when the RNC DNC step up. That's it. And that's when they that's when the big dollars start to come out. Now you have to raise money as a campaign, but there's bigger dollars behind you. And Newsom is campaigning less against DeSantis right now, Pat, but he's campaigning against Biden with the DNC to be the guy they get behind if they're mm-hmm. gonna primary a sitting president. Gotcha. You. you really think it's Newsom? You think Newsom? You, so, you think Newsom is the Tom, guy that run a primary? Uh, unless Michelle steps up, I think he's probably going to test the best. I, I just, I, I think there's no way that they don't get Michelle in the race. I, they, I don't think they. I legitimately no, so don't I'm think they can win with anybody. I'm on your page. Yeah, she's the, not she's Michelle. The I, I, I don't think they're that stupid. I, I think they know they can't win with Pete. They can't win with Kamala. They can't win with Gavin. They can't win with. Andrew Cuomo. They, they can't win with anybody. But here's my question, though. They keep you, sending Kamala out to mispronounce foreign countries. But, right. And, and this is not, and I think Bill, Bill Burr hit this a while ago when he's like, you know what? The, the what's She has zero qualification, technically, to become a president. She was just the wife of a president. 
are you think people will see past that and be like, they know that she's not running the show. They're gonna are they still gonna be able to deal with these policies and everything that the left has put in place just to have a different face that makes them feel good? Like, oh my god, they you know they they, they put in a, a woman yeah. that of color. It's like it, it's come she's on, got a high Q score. People and love it's it. Like, by the way, they the same her. presidency when yeah. Obama she's did got that a event. Very high Q score. Five weeks ago, Obama did an event with Biden, and Biden was looking like. The neglected stepson. I saw him chasing him. Yeah. As, as Obama worked he did the like crowd. Robotic. Yeah, he's like, yeah. Dad, Dad. Yeah. And, and by the way, that will be the Michelle presidency. She will have her moment, but that's going to be o Obama and the Obama people running the country. 100%. That's what I'm well, saying. Well, that's no different than what it is now. Of course it is. Yeah. Which it'll part? be the same people running mm -hmm. behind the scenes. It'll just be a better face. I, I think it'll be even, I think there's part of it that they're in part of it that they're not but there'll be even more of it if it's michelle well anyways that's the stories for today we got a bunch more that we didn't get into but it was a great podcast uh we covered a lot when is your next show you got what this going thursday there's thursday anything you're doing crazy Any we got some thing? special stuff going on okay. we're talking about how expensive food is these days okay good and then uh vinny you got a video so, coming out yeah valuetainment comedy i'm trying to post on on fridays in the morning uh, we're going to release another sketch this Friday. Please subscribe, guys. There's going to be a lot of funny, crazy characters coming up. I, I, I love it. And then, uh, Tyler, what do we got Thursday? Uh, Thursday, we have... Thursday, we're doing podcasts or no? Yeah, we're doing okay. podcasts. We got Jedediah Wednesday and Friday. And then Thursday, we have... Da -da 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 -da. I don't see anything on the calendar for Thursday. So I'm in town, so we're probably yeah, doing podcasts We're doing something. Thursday. We're doing something on Thursday. Okay, okay, guys. Well, have a great day. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Happy Take July care. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye, guys.